0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into the Thursday edition of Hoopsville, our final live Thursday show of the year. It is March 8th, 2018. And if you're in New England, I hope you're digging out OK. Um, it's a storm that once again missed us down here. I, I, this winter stunk for us win, winter lovers. Uh, if you got, it's a lot to talk about in Division 3, and we hope you will enjoy this show as you always do. If you've got questions for us, tweet us, at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville, at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. There is plenty to talk about in Division Three as we get ready for the sectionals weekend in uh, men's and women's basketball. It's, it's going to be some awesome games, that is for sure. We talked a little bit about it at the end of Sunday's show, of the matchups that we're going to see. And um, no, not all the hosts are going to come out having one, plain and simple. It just isn't going to happen. Um, who's going to come out is certainly up for debate. Um, we have a plethora of some really good basketball teams in Division Three, and the parity has made things so much better. And as a result... I suggest you go see some games, being a little hypocritical in that statement, as I am going to struggle to see some games uh, this week. Uh, I was hoping to get to a site on Friday night. Some at-home childcare things have, have made that a little bit impossible, so I will be watching Friday games from home. Outside chance, I then will scoot off somewhere on Saturday to see a game, but we will see. We'll cross that bridge when we get a little closer to it, as they say um let's see gordon will be at a women's site pat's gonna double dip i'm kind of jealous he's gonna hit a men's and a women's site if i had had the opportunity i I kid you not if i really had the chance and i could have pulled this off i would have left today i would have done hoopsville on the road somewhere and i would have tried to double dip at augustana and platteville i'm not sure which order I think initially, just for logistics, I probably would have gone Platteville first and then Augustana second because I know I can get from Augustana to the airport outside Chicago that I need to get to um, the quickest. It's longer from Platteville. Um, But that's what I would have – if I had had my druthers and complete control of things, that's what I would have done because that would have been great to see three basketball games and six teams. Similar to the opening weekend on Friday when I saw four games and eight teams. Um, It just wasn't in the cards this year. Uh, we'll see. I I may either shoot up to Ramapo on Saturday night or shoot over to Swarthmore on Saturday night. I'm not sure. I believe Ryan will be at Swarthmore. Uh, so he'll hit the one men's site. As I said, Pat will hit a Pat Coleman's gonna hit a men's and a women's site, and Gordon's gonna be at a women's site as well. I might just man the fort, plain and simple. But we will we'll see it. You can follow me at D three Hoopsville to see where I may be headed. A couple of things uh, noteworthy. We had our annual All Star vote uh, in men's basketball for the uh, NABC All Star game. And congratulations to Penn State Altoona's, excuse me, uh, Penn State Altoona's uh, Kevin Weckworth and York of Pennsylvania's uh, Dalton Myers. Um, they both got some serious support and they will be in the All Star game. We have been doing the vote since 2011, I believe. So this was our eighth time doing it. And Dalton got 60,000 votes. Um, I said Altoona's name wrong. I'm sorry. It's Ishmael Nance. Who did I mention? Oh, I mentioning Union's guy. Ishmael Nance from Altuna. won. He got 58 per thousand. And then uh, Kent Wentworth from Union ended up finishing third with 40,000. Uh, very few votes for Dubuque's player or Husson's player, which is too bad, um, and some other guys in there. But uh enjoy doing that. Looking forward to the championship uh, weekend where we'll see the All-Star game in Salem on Saturday. And, of course, I'll be looking forward to calling that game as well. We get to talk to each of the athletes who are part- participating. That's always something that we enjoy. By the way, the coaching carousel, if you haven't noticed, is a spin-in. Uh, Coach Nessie out of NYU has announced that he's retiring. He, you might have remembered he missed the last couple, uh, a couple of games or a few games the last two seasons uh, due to health problems, so I suspect that playing a role. However, um, he had decided to hang things up, and congratulations to him to say the least. Um, we also have a few others. If you want, you can always follow things on our coaching carousel uh, under the news category to be sure. We hope uh, you'll keep an eye on things. And we mentioned, actually, Van Haften. We've forgot to mention this on the weekend. Brian Van Haften leaving Buena Vista after 414 wins and nine NCAA tournaments. Resigned. He is actually going to take a position at NAIA Dort College in Sioux Falls, Iowa, saying that he didn't want to end his career. Um, and I want to use the word – this is my word, coasting, and I don't mean it in a bad way. But you're with the same program. You're being the same success. You're driving yourself based on that program. He wanted a new challenge that might kind of drive him to the end. Can totally respect that. But Ryan Van Haften, moving on, uh, and congratulations to him. Lots of other announcements that have been working their way through Division III. Uh, I think Aurora's women's coach may have left today. Um, I, I need to double-check that. I saw a tweet, um, and I uh, didn't look into the details because I didn't have the opportunity. But that's already started, believe it or not, in Division Three women's basketball. Yep, the head coach for women's basketball at Aurora has left. Um, so that's it, it is that time of year. Uh, for example, uh, they're talking. To, I think we're gonna we're gonna know if lacrosse is gonna keep um, uh, Kent um, in place as the full time coach or or not. Uh, that job should be wrapping up soon. The Gettysburg clo- job, I believe, is closed. We should start hearing names possibly about that so lots going on even in coaching even though the season is not over all right so let's talk about who's coming on the show tonight i figure that might be a good topic for all you hoopsville fans uh talking to a who's who list and a lot of coaches who are returning um to the program one who is new this season not new overall but new this season uh, we'll start things off with bob amsbury from number two Warburg, uh, women's basketball bob will join us to talk about his nights and what's what's changed since midway through the season, if anything. Brian Morehouse from Number 4 Hope will join us in the WBCA Center Court. Insightful conversation with Brian about the team, about him, his work with the WBCA. Um, He even talks about one of his assistant coaches and much, much more. We talked to him. Uh, and a wonderful interview coming up. We did pre-tape that one. Glenn Robinson from Franklin and Marshall Men's Basketball. Us. Haven't talked to Glenn this season. I'm not sure why. I think it's one of those that sometimes when it turns around to come about that group in men's mid-Atlantic, and we go, hey, let's talk Centennial. Then you look at recent results. You go, well, maybe let's come back to them, or maybe we can see them later. It's a, it's a complicated process. It really is. <laughs> anyway, we hadn't had a chance to talk to Glenn. We get to talk to Glenn. Talked to him earlier today. Charlie Brock from Springfield will join us. We had him on the NABC Coaches Corner earlier in the year um, in an interesting moment. We really didn't talk a lot about the team. Uh, they had had their struggles in December. They were starting the conference play. A lot has changed since that conversation. We'll talk to Charlie coming up. Eric Bridgland returns. We haven't talked to him since the uh, first uh, traditional show of the season. We always talk to the preseason number ones. Uh, and in the last two weeks, we're getting back to those. Toughs. Carla Berube on the last show, and we're talking to Eric Bridgeland here coming up tonight. And then Jim Scheibel from number 16 Rochester Women returns to the show this year to talk about his Yellow Jackets. We'll talk about the challenge of RIT, uh, a familiar, familiar game being played in Amherst, and of course, it's all being played at Amherst. So we'll talk to Jim about it all. Um, and of course, those are your guests, and you can ask us questions if you got them. Tweet us at T3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Lots of ways to interact with us. Speaking of Facebook, we should check out the simulcast ongoing. Don't see anybody in there, but I know a few of you are watching. We appreciate your time. Um, and many of you are watching on YouTube's channel, and we appreciate it. If you get into the YouTube page, you can chat with us there. But, again, email, Twitter, and Facebook, all scrolling at the bottom of your screen. We hope you'll take advantage of those opportunities. Uh, speaking of Glenn Robinson and FNM, there's a fan of FNM on Twitter who apparently thinks it's pretty classy of Coach to show up on the show, um, despite apparently how unfairly we treat uh, the program at D3 Hoops and Hoopsville. I laugh at thee because maybe we talk about things that others don't talk about or we're a little bit more neutral on things, but Glenn Robinson has been on the show quite often, and we have featured – the pro the uh, program quite often on D3 Hoops, so not really sure where the fandom comes from. Sometimes, by the way, somebody tweeted me and said the uh, purchase Max P- Max Pierce is the only D3 dunker left in the Dark Horse community, Dark, hor- Dark Horse dunker contest. I'm going to the website to uh, confirm that because I'm I'm honestly I don't I don't remember if he's still in there. It's an interesting process. I really can't tell from the bracket to be honest with you. Of who's in there um, but anyway apparently uh, if that's true keep up the good work sir so again this weekend sectionals uh, after this weekend we are we'll know the final four teams headed to Rochester Minnesota and we'll know the final four teams headed to Salem Virginia um, on the men on the women's and men's side respectively and um, lots to figure out by the way end of the show we'll talk about the Jostens trophy We should, uh, uh, our nomination, or not nominations, our ballots were due today. Uh, I went through mine. I got some thoughts on the Justins. Some good thoughts, don't worry. And we'll know the winners sometime soon. I think maybe early next week they're announced. If not, they're announced. There's a chance they're announced on Friday, but I, I don't think that's how they turn things around. Nonetheless, we'll talk about uh, that at the end of the show as well. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Bob Amsbury from Wartburg joins me to talk about the Knights, talk about hosting the sectional weekend, and much more. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. For the WBCA and ABC Studios, we'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this.
1: I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school.
2: I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me.
3: I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division
4: three.
5: I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me.
6: My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I wanna bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can.
7: To get
2: a friend home safe.
6: To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up.
2: To make our community
6: safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault.
5: Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've
1: got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're at d3hoops.com at
2: www.d3hoops.com. They have dreamed of this moment since childhood. The perfect shot, the key rebound, the game-clinching basket, winning a national championship. The NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 16th and 17th in Salem, Virginia. Be there. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets today.
6: Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm Cameron Hill, head women's basketball coach at Trinity University, also a member of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. We hope you enjoy the show. Now back to Dave.
0: And thank you, sir, and welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this Thursday edition, our last Thursday show of the season, uh, we believe. Next Thursday, we've done shows in the past. We, aren't gonna do, we haven't done shows in the last few years uh, in Salem. We'll be hosting a coach's reception, though. All you coaches tuning in who are heading to Salem, be aware on Thursday evening that we will be uh, rocking and rolling, as it were, at the corn Beef. Um, but then Friday and Saturday next week, we'll be live in pregame and postgame shows from the Salem Civic Center in men's basketball. So that's all still ahead here for Hoopsville, but we just won't be live on another Thursday show the rest of the season. All right, so let's talk about women's basketball, and we'll talk about the second-ranked team in the country, Wartburg, who may be overshadowed a little bit by Amherst, but it doesn't mean I don't know many voters who are considering at some point to switch their votes to the Knights. 29-0 and this season. They went 16-0 and in the conference, handled George Fox in their last game, and will take on a very tough trine squad coming up. What does it all mean? Well, earlier today I got a chance to talk to their head coach, Bob Amsbury, who joined me to discuss, is their team any better? Now joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, the head coach of the Wartburg Knights, the undefeated Knights. It is Bob Amsbury. And, Coach, thanks for taking the time.
4: You bet. Thanks for having me again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's the other part of this. Thanks for returning to the show this year. Um, nothing's changed since the last time we talked to you because you're still undefeated. 29-0, uh, <laughs> and 16-0, uh, you ended up finishing the conference This is a program you you and I have talked about in the last couple of years that has made a huge turnaround from where it was. Um, And now to be undefeated, getting to play at home the second weekend, be in the conversation of considered one of the best teams in the country, you you got to feel pretty proud.
4: Uh, You know, I do, Dave. This group, um, this senior group is really special. And they made a commitment a long, long time ago to, to change the culture. And um, they've successfully done that, and um, it's gotten better every single year. And, um, you know, this group just, they have no personal agendas, and they had that from day one. And uh, they, they genuinely love each other and to be around each other and to make each other better. And, and so it's been, it's really been a dream for me
0: undefeated at this point um i'm pretty sure we're in rarefied air for you guys to some degree um does that come with pressure or at this point you're you're so far beyond where you probably expected to be anyway that it's just part of the part of the day
4: you know we don't really feel pressure um because we haven't really thought about the big picture we've, we've thought about day by day and You know, going into each game, I felt like we could win each game, Um, and our kids felt like that we could win each game. Um, But when you sum it all up and think about that, you won every game. That it really is pretty incredible that we we didn't stumble along the way. Um, But you know, I think the last time we talked, I, I talked about this. Our our group knows that we're vulnerable, and we know that if we're not good, that we can be beaten by about anybody. And, and so I think that makes us really good. We don't take anything for granted. We prepare the same way every single day, and I think that's why we are where we are. You say
0: you're vulnerable. Um, I realize you're not going to give me the X's and O's and all the details in case someone's listening, but what do you mean by you're vulnerable?
4: We're beatable, and our kids know it. Um if we're not sharp, if we're not a good version of ourselves, uh, we we know we can be beat. and uh, I just think that that keeps us on edge a little bit because we've decided that losing isn't very fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, conference seemed to be competitive. I don't think it gave you guys as big a test as it has in the past, so Luther certainly was a pretty good squad this year. I go back to the mid-season where you guys always have a tournament that always features tough opponents. And you handled Superior, as we talked about earlier, in Whitewater pretty easily as well. How much do you now go back to those games when talking to your team in this NCA tournament? Or do they also not have as much an effect since they were so long ago?
4: Well, we don't. We don't really talk about those Um yeah, and I think people if people look at our schedule and they see the the results and the scores of games, they don't understand um, really what those games were like. The Whitewater game um, came down to the end, and we we were fortunate to hit a run late, and um, you know Miranda Murphy really stepped up late, and she had six or eight or maybe ten in a row to to stretch that lead out. But we were challenged, um, especially in November and December, we, we were on the ropes in several games. We were down by double digits in the second halves of games. And, um, you know, those games, when you just see the score, I, I, just, I think it's a little bit misleading. Our, our group had to really gut out some hard, um, tough wins, and we were able to successfully do that. And, and those, those instances have made us a lot better.
0: Certainly better to the tune of an undefeated mark. Now you go up against Trine, um, who has proven to be able to play with the best, uh, taking Amherst to the wire, beating Hope once, and the other games going down to the wire as well. What do you, what do you make of the uh, Thunder, and what do you think you guys can accomplish?
4: They're really, really good. Um, yeah, I think they're probably the most disciplined team we've seen all year. Uh, and they defend extremely well, and I, we have our handful. Um, I think that uh, it's, it's going to be a really good game, I think, either way. I think they're tough to prepare for, but I think we have a, a good plan, and our kids have, understand what we need to do to, to be successful. But I, I envision this is going to be a slugfest
0: uh slugfest yeah Uh, i also suspect low scoring you guys aren't necessarily you're kind of a a hybrid you you don't mind putting up 80 some odd points a game uh you also don't mind meeting beating a team like caloo 53 to 50 you seem comfortable in all
4: well i mean we'd rather probably score more um but we're defensive minded and i think that's that was a big difference in the George Fox game. We we defended uh, as well as we have all year in that game, um, and we got it going on offense too. But we, we really hang our hat on playing great defense, and so that's our challenge this week. We we need to defend well, and I think if we do that, um, we have enough weapons on offense that I think we can we can score.
0: Katie Summer, Miranda Murphy, Morgan uh, Neuendorf, Aaron. Jones all um double point scorers in the case of Jones nearly double point scorers and we still have Christy Summer Katie's sister and and Emma um, uh, Gerties to talk about as well how much has this team evolved since we talked about this squad midway through the season
4: um we're pretty similar I mean we haven't changed a whole lot um we do have a lot of kids that can score it and uh we're, we're really unselfish uh you know I think that uh we, we can score in so many ways. We, we can shoot the three well. We have several kids that can shoot it. Um, Jones is really good inside, and, and her backup, Adrian Butger, is, is really solid inside. And then we've got some playmakers. Katie and, and Morgan are really good off the bounce and can set each other up. And um, We just have a really good mix of players that fit really well together. Um, the strength's of our our players really complement each other, and and individually we, we've talked a lot about this. Individually, we're not very good. You know, mm-hmm. we don't have a, we don't have um, a lot of players that can do it one on one. And our kids understand that that we have to use each other. And when when we use each other and set each other up, um, we're, that's when we're at our best.
0: Your shooting percentages for the season are pretty pretty astounding. Forty five percent from the floor. Um, which is 10% better than your opponents. You shoot 36% from beyond the arc. You're a 74% free-throw shooter, especially in a season where the team like Amherst hasn't done so well on that. You out-rebound your opponents by about seven. Your assist-to-turnover ratio is pretty solid. Um, You even have your fair share of blocks. Statistically, this team looks like it's very well-rounded, and you've kind of talked about that, and you've even talked about their flaws. What are you gonna need to do to ensure that you're heading to Rochester next weekend?
4: Well, we're not really worried about that. We just we're we're trying to get to Saturday and um you know, I, I said it earlier, but it starts on the defensive end for us. We've mm-hmm. gotta try to make it hard for them to score and um you know, I thought over the over this past weekend our defense really led to offense and so that's that's what we're concerned about, I think. You know, if we're good on the defensive end, then we're going to have opportunities on the other end.
0: Well, it's fascinating where you guys have come in the last few years. Do you look back, at, and do you know where the turning point truly was?
4: I do. Um, you know, this group as freshmen, um, we were, we were good, but we weren't great. And I thought this group did a, a really good job of learning in that freshman year and made a commitment. They, they made a decision to be different and that started with changing our culture and not that we had necessarily bad culture, Mm -hmm. but we knew that it could be much, much better. And so we worked hard on that in their, you know, kind of going into their sophomore season. We talked about what does it really mean to be a great team? And, not about wins uh it's not about championships it's it's not about that it's about treating each other the right way challenging each other holding each other accountable um to raise the bar every single year and this group has done that and i said it earlier that that none of these guys have personal agendas and it's it's just a matter of how good can we be when we are together And when we feed off of each other and this group has, has done that and, and it's really been amazing to me to watch them continue to grow and, and get better from last year to this year, even, um, in that regard. And, and that's why, that's why we're really good. You know, I think the culture was the first thing, um, we have enough talent, but then to put those together has led to a lot of wins.
0: It certainly has. I remember, in my opinion, the turning point was that that year, and I don't remember if it was your freshman or sophomore for this class, where you guys had uh, that big um, holiday tournament. Uh, You always have it, but you had those huge wins as an unranked team, and you propelled that into the NCAA tournament quite a bit that season. Uh, That certainly, I think, was the the hello, we're here um, moment for a lot of us. Granted, we're on the outside, so it it may have been a little later than you guys had. Um, you're hosting this weekend. How important is that too for the school and, and for the program and for the department? And, and what is the school's reaction been?
4: Well, we're on break. <laughs> so, uh, our students, most of them left last Friday. So they want to come
0: back. Darn it all. <laughs> right.
4: Um, uh, but I got to tell you the, the community of Waverly and the surrounding community has been unbelievable. um, I, I'll be out and about in the community and, and someone will approach me that I've never met and they'll say, wow, coach, I just love to watch your team play. And those moments are really what gets me, um, but they do. And we had unbelievable crowds this past weekend, and not very many of those were students. Um, and And that was just really fun for me to see the, the interest that this group has generated um, from our community, and then the support that that those those folks have given us, is has really really made me proud. Um, we're fun to watch, and we got great kids, and they're active. Um, getting to know some of those folks, and so that's been great. And then, you know, the other part of this that um, our our department. Um, led by Rick Willis, our athletic director, and I'm not going to name everybody, but they <laughs> wanted to put on a first-class weekend last week, and I, I'm pretty confident that the teams that were here, um, the players, uh, they all had a great experience, and and so that makes me really feel feel good about where I am and the support we're getting, and um, the, the, there's a lot of people around around. Warburg, and in our department that have put in countless hours to make these two weekends really special.
0: Well, like I said, pretty impressive. Still undefeated, still marching through the tournament with a chance to obviously move on to Rochester, though I know you're not looking past Friday night. As always, I appreciate you taking the time and enjoy catching up on the nights. Uh, And as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in?
4: Yeah, I mean, I kind of did it, but just the, the support that we get around here um, through the community and and our support system with families and, and friends that come out to see us play and make this a great environment, um, and then our our people here at Warburg that work tirelessly to to put on a great event. Um, really, really big thanks to them as well. Our kids feel special, um, and if it weren't for those those folks. Um, it'd be a lot different. And then, I guess lastly, you know I, you, what you do for our game and um the excitement you bring, the interest you bring, um as always, thanks to all your work and and the hours that you put in to make this a
8: special thing.
0: Well, thanks, Coach. Appreciate the kind words. Good luck this weekend. I wish I was there. <laughs>
8: it would been fun. Well, you should be, Dave. <laughs>
0: <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, unfortunately, challenges at home are going to keep me grounded a little bit. Um, but uh, it, you know, sometimes you can't get you can't do everything you want with kids. You know what I'm saying? I get it.
3: Yeah,
6: I get it. Yep. Um,
0: but I appreciate your time. Good luck. I enjoy watching the games online and look forward to seeing how they turn out. And uh, look forward to talking to you sometime down the road as well. Sounds great, Dave. Thank you. Absolutely. Bob Amsbury joining us from Wartburg here on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Once again, thanks to Bob Amsbury. team is playing darn well. They're one of two undefeated st- teams still in the, con- in the country in women's basketball in Division III. Uh, they were the one of two coming in. It's Amherst and Wartburg. By the way, they're set up, those two teams, are set up for an undefeated battle in the championship. I know, there's still three games to be played between now and then. Taking on a really tough trying squad. And then on the other side, it's St. Thomas versus East Texas Baptist. Another fascinating game, to say the least. East Texas Baptist got a chance to practice at Northern Iowa earlier this week. Uh, probably a pretty cool experience for them. But nonetheless, congratulations to Wartburg. Again, take another break. When we come back, we'll go to the WBCA Center Court and talk to Hope women's basketball coach, Brian Morehouse, it is a tremendous conversation that I encourage you to listen to. Very forthright, very insightful, very, very, I like lack of a better, better term, deep. We talk a lot about uh, what's it mean to be a coach and what's it mean to be a coach of this team. He's got a lot of great things to say. You'll listen to Hoopsville so presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More hoops will after this.
7: College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The college basketball experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built.
5: For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that a lot more.
6: Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team.
5: That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world.
9: Help us keep that dream alive.
5: You can make a difference.
7: This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play. Free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports.
1: We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin, nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're at d3hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com.
9: They have dreamed of this moment since childhood. The perfect shot, the key rebound, the game-clinching basket, winning a national championship. The NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 16th and 17th in Rochester, Minnesota. Be there. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets today.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this Thursday edition of the show on this March 8th. I am your host, Dave McHugh. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. also probably be our last WBCA Center Court segment of the year. want to thank our partners at the Women's Basketball Coaches Association for their support and their help throughout the season. One of the topics we uh, discussed was to have Brian Morehouse back on the show This time in the WBCA center court. Team is 28-1, 15-1 in conference. Their lone loss is to Tron. But there's a lot more to Brian Morehouse. There's a lot more to his team. And there's a lot more to the community than just that record and what they are doing to prepare to take on a pretty tough team in Christopher Newport at the DeVos Center coming up this weekend. I talked to Coach earlier today about all of that. And he was rather forthright about what his team is facing, but also about what it means to be a mentor, be in the WBCA, and give back to the community. Here's what he had to say earlier today. Now joining us in the WBCA Center Court and on the city of Salem, Hoopsville Hotline, it is the head coach for the fourth-ranked Hope women's basketball team. Brian Morehouse joins us on the line. And, sir, welcome back to the show. Always a pleasure. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, So let's Well, start with the team, and we'll get to all the other fun stuff here on the WBCA Center Court. You guys are playing in the second weekend of the tournament. You've only lost a single game coming to Trine uh, earlier, or late in January, I should say. And Christopher Newport is on the other side of things. I know you're thrilled with how the team has been playing, but wrap up the season so far in however you would describe it.
10: Uh, Great league season. Um, I think our league was the best it's ever been. Um, A lot of depth. And uh, and I think it really helped prepare us. Um, obviously, some of our games going down the stretch in the league tournament, uh, a couple overtime wins in the semi and the and the final uh, to get the automatic bid into the national tournament. Uh, I thought it gave us some momentum and some confidence heading into the national tournament. And then uh, a really good first weekend uh, where we played uh, pretty well against Cornell, and I thought we played uh, exceptionally well against Washington University.
0: You guys have played now four straight at home and six of your last seven. Home is so important. I know uh, the DeVos Center in Holland is is a special place for you guys. How important is it that you're still home um, trying to march your way to Rochester?
10: Well, I mean, given the alternative of going on the road, I mean, (laughs) we prefer to be at home, but, you know, as I told our team, uh, you know, when the selections were coming out, when I told them, you know, it came down to a coin flip to see if we were going to be at home for our league tournament. Yeah. So uh, I, I, just continue to stress it's how you're playing, not who you're playing. It's how you're playing, not where you're playing. And um, you know, we've been fortunate enough to play, you know, a couple home games here in a row, but uh, I think the more important piece to the puzzle is how we're playing. And we hope that we can continue that this weekend.
0: Again, your one loss is to, to Trine, you played them three times. Uh, the last time was in the conference championship. It was overtime, 68-62. The previous occasion we mentioned was the loss, 58-55, and you played them in the beginning of of uh, January, where you beat them 57-46. As they had come back from Vegas, having taken Amherst down to the wire as well. You talk about how more difficult the conference was. Certainly, Trine was a big part of that conversation but even Albion and Calvin had some pretty decent seasons, and you guys needed a buzzer beater to even get past Calvin. It really did feel like a really deep conference this year instead of one that you could, I don't want to say walk through, because I don't think you've ever done that, but certainly you had to be ready every night.
10: No, the depth of our conference has improved um, dramatically over the last six or seven years. Uh, we used to be a one-bid league, and I, I felt like that was appropriate. Then I think we mm-hmm. moved our way to a two-bid league um, and deserve that last year. Uh, we had a three bid league, um, which is highly unusual uh, mm-hmm. in Double Division Three. But we really, I really thought that we had three teams that could win games in the national tournament. And then, you know, this year we've got two in, and uh, obviously we're one of two leagues that uh, just has two teams still standing. And I think that speaks uh, volumes about the depth and also the talent in our league. But specifically, Trina's had a great year. Um, and uh, I think that we have, too.
0: How hard is it to keep up the level of, of play with, with, as expect, expectations continue to climb? You, you don't lose more than five games in a season traditionally, but you've got to make sure the players are ready for the expectations that come with that, the pressures that come with making sure you're a winning program and all that. How, how do you guys approach that on a year, year-to-year basis and even in season?
10: Uh, you know,
8: I think we reset.
10: Honestly, every year um, we we lose good players. We welcome, we hope good players in. But each year is unique in and of itself. And uh, I, I'm I'm a big, big believer that in Division Three, you can't build momentum. Um, you better start off winning right away, or else you won't have a chance to be in the national tournament. Uh, and every game is of equal importance. Uh, so we stress every single day of practice, and I'm sure that every coach in America doesn't give up a practice and say, "Well, this one doesn't matter." But <laughs> I do think we stress that, um, and you know, we we don't uh, we we don't let up on games. I mean, we whether we're playing the you know the last place team in our league or the first place team in our league, I I think that we go out and we spend an equal amount of time on the scouting report, and we try to do things the right way each day so that they become
0: habits. What might scare some people about your team is while you have four seniors on it, it's really the underclassmen who are leading the way, at least statistically. Uh, Francesca Buchanan, a junior, 12.5 points a game and eight rebounds. You have a freshman in, in Kennedy uh, Schoenfeld, 11.5 points a game, 3.5 rebounds. Uh, and then a senior in Madison Gears at 10 points, Victoria Swift, a junior at five points, Olivia uh, Voskul, a freshman at five points, and Lauren Newman, a freshman at five points. You get so much out of so many players, and some are so ready to play when they walk on campus. That's part of keeping the, uh, the engine running, as it were, is it not?
10: I think uh, we're very fortunate that um, we've got a great academic school, and if you go up and down our, our freshman class, um, you know when you say that we've got kids that are, they come in ready to play, uh, they came in ready academically hmm. first and foremost, and that was the biggest reason that they came. I have a, I have two nurses, I have an engineer,
5: hmm.
10: um, I have a young woman that wants to do um, medical uh, social work. Um, you know, we have a, a businesswoman, um, and then our our sixth one is a physician's assistant. And so, they were looking. Yes, they're very good basketball players, but they were looking for a place that they could go that would allow them to balance out those two things, hopefully be in a winning basketball program, but, you know, in three and a half or four years, be able to graduate from our school and go on and do uh, what their goals were that they had laid out. Um, And, you know, I think our freshmen, uh, their grade point average after the first semester was a 3.9 for those six kids. And I mean, I'm talking, they're taking classes. I can't even spell. And so, (laughs) Uh, you know, I, they're they're really a talented group academically, extremely driven, and uh, it shows up on the basketball court because they're driven on the court as well.
0: Yeah, you kind of stole my thunder. I was going to ask if they were actually good basketball players or wanted to play basketball uh, to some degree with all that, all those other um, ways that they are excelling, uh, certainly in the uh, on the campus and in the classroom. Is there any? So I guess a trick question: Is there anything this team does not well, especially at this point in the season? Well, I never think we rebound well
10: enough, so I'll start with that. Um, you know, I'd say we turn the ball over too much, but that's because we have turnovers. Period. Um, you know, I'm I'm a pretty hard. I mean, I'm pretty hard to satisfy. I'm getting older and crankier. Um, you know, the longer I do this and just have a high expectation of the way the game's supposed to be played, but this team has been, I mean, an absolute joy. And everybody say, "Well, how can it not be? You're winning." Um, <laughs> not that uh, <laughs> I I love this team is they are even though we're young you know we've got six freshmen we've got three maybe four sophomores they're one of the best practicing teams I've ever had like they compete in practice they concentrate in practice the number of bad practices that we've had this year since October 15th I can count on one hand uh, and probably wouldn't need all five fingers Hmm. like show up and they want to be there. And I think that is, uh, you know, just talking to my friends, you know, around the nation at division two and division one and division three level. um, It's hard to keep kids interested. We have the longest season, the longest of anybody and to keep them fresh, to keep them interested, um, have them come in and compete day by day. uh, And you know, maintain that competitiveness with their teammates, and yet have it be appropriate competitiveness. I mean, you don't want fistfights breaking out. You want kids, you know, helping each other up off the floor after you, you know, going after a ball and saying, you know, you know, hey, way to go, you beat me to that one. You know, I got the next one, or something like you know. I mean, we have that great vibe going in our basketball program, which I'm guessing there are 15 other teams have going on right now too, because you can't win with a bad vibe, bad chemistry.
0: Sure. Uh, speaking of those other teams who may have that going, it's Christopher Newport ahead, the 18th-ranked captains. Uh, you'll get to play at home against Christopher Newport, but they certainly bring a, a little bit of a, a different nuance. You're used to tough-minded defensive teams. You play trine three times this year. This is a tough defensive-minded team in a completely different way. How are you guys prepping?
10: That's yep, good. Um, and just understanding, you know, how they're trying to speed you up. Um, I great, I have great, um, respect for their coach. You know, he was at Bucknell and, mm-hmm. and I know a lot of people at Bucknell still, uh, right now. And, um, you know, he just gets everything out of his kids and they're, they can switch. I mean, they can switch the tempo of the game. Um, they get great shots every time down the floor. Uh, you know, I, you look at the matchups that are left in the United States right now, and um, not too many people are signing up to play Christopher Newport. And <laughs> that's where I think the rankings can lie a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they played a strong, very strong um, uh, schedule. Um, and, you know, they played Thomas Moore earlier in the year. And uh, I think their league is good with, you know, Marymount and some other schools there. So, I, I just think that they're battle tested having gone to the final four last year. you always want to play the people that haven't been there. you know I mean like it, when it's new it's you know it's a lot better to play teams that haven't ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, when they've been there, you know like his team has, you know they expected to get here. you know a couple of losses wasn't gonna dissuade them from you know their end goal of you know getting to the final four and win the national championship. So they expected to be playing this weekend, and it should be a great game. Um, you know we have got to limit our turnovers. They rebound yeah. the ball exceptionally well. I mean, exceptionally well. <laughs> uh, so that's going to be a huge part of the ball game.
0: I have a feeling you're seeing game tape in your in your sleep right now, uh, or you've passed sleep up for game tapes. One of the two. Um, let's transition a little bit here into the WBCA part of the center court segment because there's a couple fascinating things that are going on. First and foremost, you're pretty heavily involved in the WBCA as a conference captain. And the work that you do there, how important is that to you, and 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 why dedicate your time to that organization to some degree?
10: Well, you know, it starts off with uh, some of the things that I was taught by other coaches when I took over twenty some years or twenty two years ago, and I and they they would say them to me, and I would shake my head yes, um, especially in the first couple of years. But when you're a young coach, you're just trying to win a couple of games to yeah. get to keep it. Right. Yep. And so you get into like year two and year three and the same people are saying the same things to you. The, the Dixie Jeffers of the world, the Sherry <laughs> Herod, um, you know, the people that you respect so much, um, the Nancy he's And they're like, you got to keep giving back to the game. You got to keep giving back to the game. You know, part of our job is to give back to the game. And I started to understand that, you know, this wasn't just lip service. Um, you know, this was something that was a part of my job description, whether it be. From Hope College, not really, but as my job description as a women's basketball coach, it's our job to, to push the game of women's basketball ahead, whether it's with, you know, five, six, seven, eight-year-olds, or whether it's with our women and um, instilling them the values uh, that the WBCA believes in and uh, serving others and growing our game, um, you know, community service. Uh, it, it just is an important part. And, and as a part of that, I think it's an important thing to mentor young coaches. Um, you know, when new coaches get hired, whether they be in our league or if I know another league, you know, I make a point in reaching out to them. And uh, just saying, when I was young, Charlie Goffnett of Alma called me up the first day I got the job and he said, What do you need? Give me a call. Here's my number. I know it's going to seem overwhelming. I want young coaches to succeed and that stayed with me ever since that phone call and um you know anytime i did need anything i could call up him um i could call up greg Affman, i could call up kathy morris from adrian and ask them questions when i didn't know um you know either how to schedule or you know how to interact with um a certain tough situation within my team um or you know how to mentor. Uh, my players or how to help them get jobs. And they were always there for me. And my goal is to be there for other coaches and my players and the young people that want to play basketball growing
0: up. You talk about giving back. And, of course, for the WBCA, part of uh, a lot of coaches' lives is mentoring. And you have a coach in your wings on your on your staff who's not only a former player, but she's somewhat of a rising star in the coaching realms now. Courtney Cust, I know, means a lot to this program. What does she mean to you?
11: Um,
10: She's just a unique, amazing – I mean, it's hard for me to talk about her just because I care so much. Um, I mean, she just is – she played at Hope. Um, She came back to Hope as an assistant, not because she didn't have other alternatives. I mean, the woman could be working for Google – you know, Apple. Um, you know, and anywhere she wants. I mean, she is that talented of a person. And yet, she came back and she said, "I want other people to have the experience that I had at Hope. I want other. Uh, I want our women, and I want to. I want to impact people on our campus um, the way I was impacted by my professors, by other coaches from other sports, um, by the assistant coaches. You know, in the women's basketball program. I want to be that person. And you know, this last summer, she led a, a program to Costa Rica." Uh, with a, with a group of, uh, young, uh, with a group of students on our campus. Um, you know, she just, uh, she does such an amazing job living into the community, uh, impacting young people in our community. Um, and then if you, I mean, you can't even start with, um, what she does for our basketball program. Uh, you know, every one of our players, you know, if somebody asks them, you know, what about Courtney and You go, oh, they'll all say the same thing. And it's, and it sounds cliche, but they're like, in cuss, we trust. Uh. And I'm like, and, and they, they truly, truly, um, believe it. And, you know, she brings them into her office, um, uh, and talks to them, uh, but like, not just about like how the weather is. I mean, she's living <laughs> into these young women on, you know, Hey, this is how you, this is how you carry yourself. I mean, this is, this is the right thing to do. This is You know, what do you need help with? Where are you struggling in your life? Where do you feel like you're excelling? How can I help you? Um, And it's not just basketball. And to me, that's the beauty that these women are going to go on in their lives, our players, and they're going to have been impacted by Courtney Cust. And they're going to go out, and guess what? They're going to impact other people. And I call that the multiplier effect because her impact – then impacts them, and then they go out and impact other people. And before you know, you've got this spider web that goes all over the place where her influence is being felt in ways that she doesn't even realize.
0: certainly seems that she's learned from the best in that category then because you certainly give back and and impact others. You're involved with Special Olympics events uh, with your team during the season. You're also involved with coordinating what's called the Millennium Triathlon in Grand Rapids. I hope Calvin's not paying attention, uh, 100% owned and operated by the Hand Up Fund, which is an organization that helps disadvantaged children in West Michigan. What does it mean to you to to be involved in those organizations and to give back to the community in the way you do?
10: Um, you know, probably I, it, I'm, I know I'm supposed to say, like, you know, my job is to win and, you know, do all these other things. I, I get as much, if not more, satisfaction out of um, – you know, trying to impact my community, but not just my community, because it stretches, you know, all the way into Grand Rapids and uh, south of Holland and north of Holland. And, um, you know, I I just think that there are young people that are out there that are either economically, um, physically, uh, mentally, uh, you know, they don't have some of the, the great things that I was privileged to have growing up. I didn't grow up rich. I grew up on a farm, you know, shoveling up the barn, you know, but I still grew up in a pretty great situation in my opinion. And I just want to make sure that every kid, you know, the reason we call it the Hand Up Foundation is, you know, because I started it with my one of my college roommates um, and we want young people to have the things that they need to make a better life. You know, uh, and it might be you know, working with kids that are in Special Olympics, and you know, making sure that they have like the greatest day of their life when we go uh, play at the America League, uh, which is a which is a baseball field in Grand Rapids mm-hmm. on synthetic turf. Um, you know, it might be you know helping um, the Boys and Girls Club out in Grand Rapids, and you know, impacting their impacting their organization by giving them iPads. Uh, you know, so that. They've got a, a huge room full of iPads that their kids can work on and become more technologically adept and, and be able to move out into the world, uh, you know, just more equipped to, to uh, reach their true potential. So, you know, our whole point is um, and my whole goal is to help people reach their potential. And um, whether it's in basketball, whether it's a young person on our campus, um, you know, whether it's a kid that's in Special Olympics, uh, whether it's a player on my team, I just want everybody to reach their potential and understand that don't let anybody limit you don't let anybody tell you what you can't do believe in yourself um and know that there are people that will get behind you and help you reach your goals
0: um i think i can figure out why people want to play with you coach um certainly inspirational and, and if that message gets across even halfway to your players i can see why they're successful uh, before we let you go, we do have a little fun and ask a couple questions uh, that we ask all of our coaches in the WBCA center court. They're off the top of your head, so don't you don't have to think them too through. Um, but if you don't mind, uh, we'll do that and 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 see what you say to some of these.
10: I love it. Fire away. All
0: right, so the first one is, and I think I'm getting a sense of this one already, what's your favorite thing about coaching, especially in Division Three?
11: Relationships with my players.
0: Yeah. Uh, if you have, what would be your biggest pet peeve?
11: people that judge other people
0: Mm, good one uh do you have a favorite rule or a favorite nuance to the game
11: uh right now it's advanced the ball
0: oh you and i'll talk some other time (laughs) come on man no for women's no
10: men should be adapted no i've seen it used
0: i've seen it used in ways i don't like like, uh okay.
10: I can agree with that. The, I can agree with that. Yes, yeah. I can agree with that. When when you're advancing the ball to avoid being pressed,
0: yes, that
10: yeah. is a problem. It drives me insane. I agree with that. Drives me I insane. I agree with it. I agree with
0: you. Yeah. Um, seen it way too much this year, actually, ironically enough. Um, any pregame ritual or superstition?
8: When I'm at home,
10: I talked to a kid from a uh, special needs young man who I've known since uh, for 20-some years, wow. and I don't know how it started, but he always comes down to the bench, and we just talk about how his week's going, and <laughs> I don't know how it started, and it, I don't think it helps me win, but I love it because I get to talk to Tori, and uh, he's a special kid. Uh, he's not a kid anymore. He's 20-something years old, but uh, it, it's just a great
0: relationship. That's cool. Yeah. Um... How would your assistants describe you as a coach? <laughs> that might be a wow. trick question. I understand. <laughs> oh,
3: um, what day? Uh, <laughs> oh,
10: it's. Uh, it would be. Um, it would be part time, cranky old man. It would be part time. Um, you know, giving. Uh, it would be. Uh, uh, it. It would be. Uh, you know thinking outside the box, never quite knowing what they're walking into in practice. Um, it'd be all those things combined. <laughs>
0: that's awesome. <laughs> now we're going to call I'm up. I'm really not
3: cranky. I believe, I don't believe I'm cranky. <laughs> but I cl- think that's a bad rap that I'm getting.
0: <laughs> Clearly <laughs> it's sim- coming out, though. Holding
10: people accountable.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Um, finally, when you retire, because all good coaches eventually do, uh, what do you hope people will remember you as a coach?
10: Um, somebody that cared, somebody that, uh, when they dropped their, uh, daughter off as a freshman, um, that she walked out of this institution, uh, even a better person, uh, than what she walked in and that she was equipped, uh, to move out into the world and do great things, not just in her job, but, uh, in all aspects of their, of her life.
0: Wonderfully said. Thank you so much for taking the time. Good luck this weekend. I enjoyed. I always enjoy our conversations, but I'll have to admit, I think this one uh, might be one of the best. And great to get insight on you and, and the team and those around you. Appreciate you uh, doing that for us. As always, you give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? Appreciate your
10: work with the WBCA and uh, your partnership. I think it's incredibly important for the game of women's basketball and um, the role that you serve as uh, a voice for uh, specifically Division III uh, cannot uh, be understated. It is an incredibly part, important part of um, why we have advanced the game of Division Three women's basketball.
0: Wow, thank you. Appreciate that. That's very kind of you to say. Good luck this weekend, and I'll look forward to talking to you sometime down the road. Thanks a lot. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. He is Brian Morehouse, fourth-ranked Hope women's basketball team in the WBCA Center Court, joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Once again, thanks to Brian Morehouse for joining us. Insightful interview. Didn't I promise that? It was. Terrific. um, Excuse me, words from him. I appreciate him taking the time. Once again, they will be uh, busy this weekend as they host Christopher Newport. Of course, on the other side of that bracket is a doozy of a set of games as well. Uh, should be fun at Hope at the DeVos Center. Wish I could be there. Uh, that could be a lot of, a lot of fun. Going to take another break when we come back. Franklin and Marshall men's basketball coach Glenn Robinson joins me to talk about his team making it through the Centennial Conference onto the second weekend, and just how incredible Brendan uh, Brandon Federici has been to uh, his program. The first two thousand point scorer. In the history of FNM men's basketball, it's mind-blowing to me. We'll talk to him about it. You'll listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with more after this.
9: I'm a Division three student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than.
6: So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms.
7: If you can play,
5: you can play in Division 3
7: I'm a Division Three student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play,
5: you can play in Division Three. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless.
1: We've got more schools than Division 1, more fans than Division 2, and more upsets than March Madness.
6: Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. They
2: have dreamed of this moment since childhood. The perfect shot. The key rebound. The game-clinching basket. Winning a national championship. The NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 16th and 17th in Salem, Virginia. Be there. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets today.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope to see you in Salem and or Rochester. I won't be in Rochester, but our staff will, uh, for the men's and women's championships. Uh, we hope to see you there. One of the teams who would love to get back to that is Franklin and Marshall. The team is playing uh, pretty decent this season, uh, as many have noticed. But it was interesting, they ended up finishing third in the Centennial Conference this year. What does it all mean? Well, Glenn Robinson has one of the more special players in program and Centennial Conference history. Earlier today, I talked to him about being in this position in the NCAA tournament, trying to get to Salem, and the story of Brendan Federici. Now joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. It's the head coach for Franklin and Marshall. It is Glenn Robinson. And, sir, thanks for taking the time. Oh, My pleasure. guys have had an interesting season. Uh, I I don't know if expectations were high or not. I think a lot of people came in not really knowing how the Centennial Conference was going to kind of shake out this season. So, thus, I think by default, F&M kind of was everyone's favorite, along with Swarthmore. Uh, 22-6, you're heading to the second weekend of the NCAA Tournament. Uh, You've got to be probably pretty pleased with how this this season's broken down.
11: Oh, obviously. I mean, when you start out in October, I mean, our only goal is is to reach our potential. And we have nine freshmen this year, so it was a little difficult to predict what our potential was. Um, We knew we had some good return players, obviously, but with nine freshmen, that's over team. And so we had no idea how this thing was going to work. And to be still playing at this point, uh, obviously we're related.
0: Sure. Um, the conference race was interesting. Um, Swarthmore, again, kind of in the conversation as expected, and uh, they uh, you actually got the win over them in the first meeting in mid-January, but it was Johns Hopkins who kind of came storming in under first-year head coach Josh Leffler this year, and then the rest of the conference was kind of there. Uh, it turned into a three-horse race. Did that kind of catch you guys a little bit by surprise, or 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 did you expect to maybe have that be a deeper race than many others thought?
11: Um, no, I didn't think it was a surprise. Um, obviously, they had some great players returning.
5: Mm-hmm.
11: Uh, we had utmost respect for both Doran and Gardner, and then we didn't know about it at the time, but they got two great freshmen and started right away. So um, I thought it might be a four-horse race, to be honest with you. Hmm. Uh, starting out. I think it would have been, but Dickinson had one of their key players get injured and basically lose.
12: Yeah. So,
11: um, turned into to that, but um, I certainly would be lying if I said I predicted that way from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I I, um, I actually thought it might be a
0: 5-4-3. Interesting.
11: Because their sinus was returning so many yeah. players, and they had such great 5 that... Uh, we thought they would pose a tremendous problem. And I mean, it, it, it had just ended up that the three of us kind of pulled away and then we all fought each other. And at one point, everybody had beaten everybody else. And, yeah, uh, you know, so no surprises, our games, I mean, we ended up losing by one point and two points, and one was in overtime. And then we had the last shot each time, so we couldn't have been any closer.
0: So again, you guys, you know, the end of the season, a little rough, lost three of the last five, but again, you were playing the top of the conference. You played Hopkins twice, unfortunately losing twice to them, one in a double overtime thriller, and then you played Swarthmore counting the conference tournament. Was it hard to keep the team maybe mentally in it, knowing there was a chance you could make the NCAA tournament with just how rough that that season ended a little bit?
11: No, there was none of that. It was, um, you know, it's kind of next game up and you do the best you can and I don't think we had a, a great deal of thought about the NCAA's and until we were walking out of the gym after the, the Hopkins game in the uh, conference playoffs. And I mean, you know, you just you give it everything you have. We totally respect them and how they played and everything, but it was a one-point game. We had the last shot. Had enough time to get off a good shot, so we're blaming ourselves and. Then you start looking, and is it possible the Centennial can get three teams in the tournament? Obviously, from our perspective, of course. We're the best. Um, The conference was so unbelievably close. But we all know that's a difficult task, and and just can't count. Obviously, it turned out that way, and and I think uh, the people that decided that have been rewarded because... We all won the first game, and two of us are still alive. So clearly it was justified.
0: Yeah, absolutely agree with you. Um, First weekend, uh, an interesting back-and-forth game against Emory and Henry. Kind of then put your foot down the last 12 minutes of that game and and pulled away. Christopher Newport ended up winning by 14. Those games kind of work out the way you thought. What were you guys able to take advantage of that got you those victories?
11: Well, uh, both games were very similar in that they were really close, and, uh, you know, we had a, a, just a small working margin, and then the other team made a run. And in one case, they took the lead. In the other case, they almost took the lead. And then we we just stepped up our defense, and our defense created a lot of easy baskets for us. So, in a way, both games were similar in that respect. From a coaching angle, I was really pleased uh, with our kids. And obviously, you're on the road, they really high-level competition. And... They had been really successful, and so we had to overcome what had been going on in their season and make it go our way. And I was uh, kind of upset all season long. I felt like we played well enough to win every team, but sometimes not all 40 minutes. And I felt like in the NSA played all 40 and obviously supported
0: the president. When you talk about this team, uh, what I found interesting is that you seem to have, and I saw you guys a couple times this year, you seem to have an interesting mix of, of seniors and youth that even late in the season seem to all still be trying to figure out how to gel and play together. And, and the key, I thought, was in the past, I think Brandon Federici wanted the ball a lot more, wanted to be maybe in control a lot more, and I seem to notice, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like he kind of turned towards his teammates a little bit more this year. He still scored his fair share, but he was more than willing not to be the man for minutes at a time.
11: Well, I I don't think there was any intentional change of direction. I think the team morphs uh, from one thing to another, and as you have more qualified teammates to do the scoring, he's always been a willing passer and a willing screener. And, uh, you know, we've, we've always tried to improve those aspects along with the defensive side, but he, and he's always been willing to do it. Some games, it just there wasn't any way we were going to win, and he got twenty-five plus points. And um, that's not as true this year. Uh, we have more scoring. Matt Tate, his backcourt mate, has been a really talented player. Mm-hmm. He's battled injuries, hopefully, and. He's still a little dinged up right now, but he's able to do his end of the scoring. He's always been capable of that, but uh, in some cases physically not able. And so that alone has helped spread the load around and make Brandon feel like he can share the ball a little bit more. And, you know, we've and J.C. McGrath also. Potent scorers in in certain types of games. So there's another... Two guys in the lineup. And then we had, you know, Matt Grohl and, and Matt Redhead, a couple of freshmen have started to really show that they can score. And uh, so, bottom line with that, all this is he has more teammates that are capable of scoring and probably even more attention to him defensively by the opponent. So, it's just kind of a natural thing that has worked out. But I, I think it's Scoring averages are almost identical. I don't think he's back off at all. It's just um, maybe we scored a few more as a team. It's, it's spread around a little
0: bit more. Yeah, it definitely seems, uh, yeah, his scoring averages are about the same. But it does you're right, he, he seems to have more options. Of course, he is a, a Justin's finalist. We'll know the, the winner announced in, in the very near future. Um, but he also was the program's first ever 2,000-point scorer the conference's first ever 2,000-point score. You've been around coaching a long time, and it, it to me, I find it surprising that he's the first to, to break that 2,000 plateau. You've had a lot of really good players. What's different about him than anybody else who's worn a diplomat's jersey?
11: Wow, that is a great question. I I wish I had a great answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it really is. It's just... Um, It is strange. Uh, We have had, uh, I think, 25 All-Americans and lots of other good players besides that. And uh, many of them, potent scorers, and and none of them got to that mark. I mean, it it is a really high mark. It's the only thing I can say. is It's really difficult to achieve. Uh, But why no one's ever done it, Uh, we've had other players play as many games so that would be the first thing I would look at in the cloud, if this team goes to the of the postseason and got more games. But uh, that's not true. We've had a lot of other players play the same number or even a couple more games. So uh, he just has been so consistent. There's never been a lull in this score. He's played hurt. He's done this. He's done that. He's played every defense in the book again. and he always seems to shed his points. And he does that name after name year after year.
0: I, I, I say it it's just credit to him that he's the first fit. Yeah, certainly impressive. And then I, we won't even get into the, I mean, looking through the Justin's nomination, just how many other things he's involved in outside of basketball and a tremendous student athlete uh, or just student in general. Uh, it's certainly impressive. You guys have ahead Ramapo at Ramapo. We should be pointing out we're talking to you as you head out there um, in the uh, in the Sweet 16 here, two wins away from returning to Salem. Let me first start with what do you need to do, especially against Ramapo, to get through this weekend?
11: Well, obviously, Ramapo's a formidable opponent, and then playing them on their floor—they're undefeated at home, so they, they not only are a good team, but they're especially good at home. Uh, they have a, a, an individual star in Bonacom,
3: uh,
11: All-American, just very, very tough. Uh, what makes him difficult is he has good size, a six-inch, a six-inch, a good, a good ball, he's not spinning and he lost his place or anything. But even more than that, he can score off the dribble, he can score off the pass, he can score with his back to the basket, and he can score from three-point range just all by himself. <laughs> He's a load. And then, you know, they have uh, six or seven other players with great scoring ability and their third leading scorer comes off the bench, so you don't even get a break when you substitute. Uh, so, they're going to be tough. Um, you know, obviously, we've been looking at them and trying to see what we can do to minimize their opportunities to score and maximize our chances to the break. But, um, until we actually get on the floor with them, a, a lot of these things are questionable because uh, they don't do great many complicated things. They just do basic things well and quickly. And uh, you look at some of the plays, and it, it's very simple in design but run very well and executed by players with a lot of skill. And so, to me, that's the toughest thing in the world to battle is have really good players in really
0: basic staff. If you win this weekend, you'll return to Salem, uh, where you have been several times before, and Salem most likely hosting for the final time in men's basketball. Is that significant to you? Does that mean something to try and be back there for a final time?
11: Well, uh, like you need additional meetings to want to get to the final <laughs> <Right>. four. <but laughs> um, actually, it would. Um, I love Salem. I was uh, on the NTA committee when we considered Salem. We were up in Buffalo and and we were looking for other sites, and, and so I was a small part in helping get it there. And and I've been extremely pleased with how they've handled it. And obviously everybody else has because they've broken every record as far as being a host. Yeah. And. Um, they just, they have all the things you need. You know, Carrie Harvey Cutter is the director of that facility and he, he just does a marvelous job. Great guy. He's really into his job, does it thoroughly, uh, as a way of making everybody feel important. Kind of like he's doing what you need to have done. Um, it's a nice facility. The area gets behind it. They have business sponsors. I just, uh, I just think it's been a great do. And, uh, you know, I understand we have to move it around and all that, but it would be really nice, personally, to be able to be one of the last teams to play there.
0: Well, we certainly wish you luck this weekend on making that possibly happen. Uh, obviously a, a tough task in New Jersey, but everybody at this point has a tough task ahead of them uh we will let you go but always give the coach the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in
11: well i I just think division three basketball is such a fabulous thing we have true student athletes and um you know we're on d3 hoops and i was around when d3 hoops started (laughs) and it has done so much for division three basketball it's, it's just unbelievable how much more popular it's gotten and how much information it's disseminated. I mean, that's the first thing every one of us does. You know, like you, you play a game and you get on deep red hoops and see how everybody else is doing. Uh, or you finish practice and you get on there and you see what, what's happening. And, you know, we didn't have that when, when we started. So it's been a great thing. I hope everybody enjoys it.
0: Well, thank you, sir. Um, congratulations on yet another successful career for you, or season for you. I, won't even, I don't even talk about the career with you anymore. Uh, it, we'll wait until until you decide to hang them up, and I'm, I'm figuring that's another 10, 15 years away. Uh, uh, <laughs> thanks for the time. I really appreciate it. Good luck this weekend, and we'll look forward to talking to you soon. All right, Dave. Thank you so much. Thank you. Glenn Robinson joining us from Franklin and Marshall on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Once again, thanks to Glenn Robinson for joining us. I appreciate him taking the time earlier today. Uh, they had a little bit of challenges trying to get to Pocos. Remember, northern New Jersey got hit with quite a bit of snow. Including the rest of New England. I'm jealous for that fact, just, just for the record. Uh, but it caused some problems. But uh, they're up there and they've practiced and they're getting going. So congratulations. We mentioned Federici and some of the things that I read on the Jostens. I'll talk more about the Jostens, but I just wanted to read uh, later in the show. But I just wanted to read a couple notes about Brendan. Dean's list and honorary list every semester he's been at F&M, maintaining a 3.7 GPA as a business, organizations, and society and Italian joint major. <laughs> yeah. Um,. What else? he's co-founder of Urban Pages a organization that uh, has collected more than 5000 books and distributed them to the Jersey Shore Medical Center Children's Clinic and communities in the state of New Jersey supports Soul for Souls um another shoe drive to benefit our annual shoe drive to benefit the uh, children of New Jersey and co-founder of Promote to Vote an organization that helps raise political awareness and voter registration Uh, also volunteers at the Trenton area soup kitchen is a tutor for writing and SAT preparation in Monmouth County, New Jersey, and is involved with souls for souls, as we mentioned as well, plus everything else that he does. So Brendan Federici, one of those incredible student athletes on the Jostens nominations. We'll talk more about them later, running a little bit behind, going to take another break. When we come back, Charlie Brock joins us live from Springfield to talk about his squad, and what he expects in the second weekend from the Pride. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com, from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops till after this.
6: <laughs> great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, I can accomplish it.
5: It's a well-rounded experience. Well,
1: at a Division III school, you primarily a student-athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual.
2: It helps a lot that you have a family
9: with your team that can guide you. dreamed of this moment since childhood. The perfect shot. The key rebound. The game-clinching basket. Winning a national championship. The NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship. March 16th and 17th in Rochester, Minnesota. Be there. Visit ncaa.com slash tickets today.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. I hope you're enjoying this program on Thursday evening. We're running a little behind, so we're going to keep the pace up a little bit next. Switching into men's basketball, talking Northeast, one of the teams that is certainly um, showing they're pretty darn good right now is uh, Springfield. Went down to Cabrini last weekend in the Philadelphia area and defeated Albright by two in a delayed game and then beat Cabrini the next night by eight. Their reward, they're back in the Philadelphia area. They traveled down to Swarthmore. They'll take on Hamilton, who they're at least somewhat familiar with, at least in the fact of the NESCAC. What's interesting is the last time we had Charlie Brock on the show, we had him on as part of the NABC uh, Coaches Corner when we returned from the uh, holiday break, and they had just lost their sixth game in eight, uh, losing to Babson. It was a turnaround point. The team probably playing a lot different now than they were then, and certainly were playing a lot different after than they were then. Joining us on the City of Salem, Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach, for the aforementioned Springfield Pride, it is Charlie Brock. And, Coach, welcome back to the show as always, sir.
3: Thank you, Dave. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: I appreciate you taking the time. So, again, you had <laughs> lost six of eight last time I talked to you. And, again, it was more about the NABC coaches' Corner and the work you did there than necessarily about the team, though we touched on the team. You've only lost two since. What's the difference in that stretch you guys went through then and what you guys ended up doing in the New Mac?
3: I don't know if there's a big difference, Dave. I think, you know, the, the look at it, I look at it a little bit before that when we went to Texas and we played five games in nine days mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, good, really, really good teams with Trinity and Williams and Amherst and then going to Texas and playing good teams at Trinity University down there. And I think having a little bit of a break and getting collected again and coming back, we were able to win our tournament and won a great game against Wesleyan and, then got into the conference, and, and we kind of uh, recently have responded well to getting punched in the mouth, and uh, that was the, the case in those five games that we lost. Uh, it was the case when we lost to Babson. It was the case when we lost to Wheaton kind of midway through the Mac schedule uh, down there, and then it was, again, the same situation where we uh, thought we might have lost the opportunity to do anything further when we weren't able to get it down against WPI in our uh, playoff at home, which it was a pretty good punch, I'll tell you. Uh,
0: If you're good at taking punches and responding to them, then then that's not a bad thing if you're a head coach uh, to have for a program.
3: I've been taking those punches all my life, I'll tell you.
0: (laughs) That's true. Uh, But if your team's doing it, they're learning something from you, I guess. But what's really interesting is you play a lot of well, somewhat a lot of players, but you're not a deep team. I think we touched on that last time. You basically play everybody you have for a unit, but it's not like you've got 15, 20 guys on this team and can go deep. You're asking everybody to contribute.
3: We really are. Uh, we've actually gone, I don't know how many, how long it's been. We we had two injuries early on, mm-hmm. and we've had 10 guys in practice for pretty much all of January, February, and March. Hmm. Um, which is it makes it interesting with practice you get a whole lot more done and a whole lot less time <laughs> um, but it's you know the, 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 you know it's a good group and, and uh the the roles have been defined i think that was part of, of uh, getting better um, guys got more and more comfortable and i think most of all the guys just decided it was time and three seniors decided that they were going to make something of this season and uh, they did that by putting a stamp on winning the new mac regular season championship it was it was uh, a pretty neat thing that they just decided that they wanted to put a stamp on the program and, and have it be the body of work.
0: Were you at all nervous when you guys dropped your game the WPI, and I think was that the semifinals or of of the New Mac? Were you guys nervous at all that that was it, that was the end of the season, or did you think you had a chance to get in?
3: Do you mean like nervous as they picked sixty three teams and we were <laughs> one more on the bracket? Oh, I, I was going to that I was gonna get to that next.
0: I was going to get to that next. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah, I was, and, and you know what? The thing is, David, there's so many good teams. It's so hard. You know, I, I have, I would obviously, I'm sitting here and we're playing, and and there's so many deserving teams. I mean, we went down to the regional last week, playing Albright and Cabrini, who are two really, really good teams, well coached. Um, you know, it's there's, there's a lot of good teams, and if you don't win the automatic, then you're put in a in a very small pool with a whole lot of people. Mm-hmm. So it's very difficult, and uh, we were fortunate and, and uh, very grateful.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the, uh, the bracket announcements, and I, I was sitting there as we're te- – I don't see the brackets ahead of – well, I see the bracket ahead of time, but I don't see how they're going to produce them ahead of time, and usually they reveal two or four teams at a time. And as I'm listening to Kyle release them, I realized, oh, and I can't see what they're doing either. I had, I had the back-end look. It was just uh, the tech side. And I thought to myself, oh, I think they revealed Springfield absolutely last, without them knowing. Oh, uh, I wonder how Springfield's going to react to this. The video you guys sent out is priceless because it is truly waiting to the final selection. How tense was that room getting?
3: It was pretty stressful. Uh, <laughs> the moment was was one that memory that will never. I don't think anybody that was in that room will ever forget. Uh, So it it was very, very special and with a great group of guys to be in the room with, I can tell you.
0: Curious, were you putting together your, okay, guys, we didn't make it speech and and here's what we're going to do next? How close were you to having that formulated versus the, oh, hey, we're headed, so let's talk about this instead? Well, I always have both speeches ready at all times. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> yeah. All right, talk about Albright and Cabrini. You mentioned being good, good teams, uh, good competition, um, and, and obviously a, a two-point win over Albright and then an eight-point win over Cabrini. Those games showed me you can, you're you very comfortable going with a little bit of a higher-paced game. You, you showed that earlier in the season as well. I also see games like against MIT where you're willing to go a little bit more slow-paced. 69-62 was your win last time against MIT. Do you are you comfortable that way th- that you can adapt or have you been forced into adapting maybe is the better question?
3: Well, I think we're good at adapting okay. and uh, we've got the kind of kids that are. And, and, and I think a lot of that comes from some, you know, senior leadership. Uh, we've got a junior who's two juniors actually that have contributed greatly. And then two sophomores and one of whom is, is our best player statistically and uh, in Jake Ross, yeah. and, and so we, we've been able to adapt. I mean, the, the scores, especially the Cabrini game, to play in the 90s, we probably typically are more in the low 70s, and, and that's where our comfort level is. But they're just a very athletic team. It was they, they We got ahead of uh, both teams, and they pressed us. Uh, so it got to be an up-and-down game a little bit, and, and uh, we were able to survive that kind of tempo. And um, we shot the ball really well last weekend, uh, that certainly was a factor. We had some timely free throw shooting. We rebounded and defended okay, um, and just got some nice contributions from some guys, uh, Kevin Durkin and, and Ben Diamond, who's a senior and, and doesn't play all that much. Ended up playing 27 minutes because of foul trouble. So uh, it was a it was an interesting. Uh, everybody, you know, doing their role and doing the right thing and uh, contributing.
0: You have Hamilton ahead. You're certainly familiar with NESCAC teams. You mentioned the win over Wesleyan uh, back at the end of December. Uh, You're not afraid to take – you played Williams and Amherst on top of that, along with Trinity, Connecticut. It's certainly part of your bread and butter. What do you see in this Hamilton squad? What are you expecting from that game?
3: Really, really good team. Uh, Very deep. They play 11, 12 guys in in significant time periods and minutes. Their forwards are very mobile, uh, which which presents some – You know, matchup problems probably for everyone. They shoot the ball well. And above all, they're very, very aggressive in all facets of the game. They're aggressive on the boards. They play defensively, very aggressively, and they they go right at you offensively uh, with with very good players. And, you know, they're they're a very good team that was number one in New England for a good part of the season, I believe. So, yeah, uh, it'll be a good test for us.
0: When you look at the other side of that bracket, and I know you're not looking too far ahead because you want to focus on Hamilton, but when you do look at that other side, do you, do you see anything there that, that interests you, or, or is it just as scary maybe as, as the matchup on Friday?
3: I don't, Dave, and I, and I don't mean to be no. a contrarian, but I haven't paid any attention at all to Swarthmore or Plattsburgh other than to know you know what they've done during the course of the year um i haven't looked at them at all i'm i'm worried about what we're going to do and how we're going to do it tomorrow night and then uh if we're fortunate enough to be able to play a game on saturday then i'll worry about them on <laughs> saturday morning
0: trust me when i ask that question I, I know where it could absolutely lead so i i i ask it at my own risk as they say uh Understood. by the way what's it like to be back in philadelphia second weekend in a row uh, are you enjoying well,
3: I it yeah you know, i tried <laughs> to convince our president to let me teach all the kids their classes and <laughs> just hanging around for the week but she wasn't buying it no so. no not we're, surprised uh the weather yeah, we're, tr- we're happy to be back we'll go wherever we, you know wherever we're not right. we're not fussy
0: you're you're loving the weather though you guys have had to deal with a couple nor'easters
3: we have an act but actually we we did play it fairly okay um we left at six o'clock this morning and uh it was clear sailing down of Good. the storm up in our way was over and uh, I think it was actually over earlier down here, and so we, we it was a normal ride coming down. Good,
0: good. Uh, I know yep. it's well down, and I know you will be there. All-Star voting uh, took place in the last couple of days, and the All-Star game will come up, and you're very much involved with what the NABC does in Salem. Uh, I know you're looking forward to being there. Would it mean? I, I know it would mean something special to have the team there, but have you even dared even think that at this point, or is there too much work ahead?
3: Not even thinking about it. Yep. I figured. No, not even thinking about it. Yep, and uh, that's just you know the here and now, and um, we got to get guys to believe in what they're doing today and how it impacts what they're doing tomorrow.
0: Sure. Uh, before I let you go, I know the senior class is important and and means a lot to you, but the, Jake Ross has certainly um, been a special player in New England. What's he meant to this program, and and are, how do you keep from drooling knowing you've got two more seasons with him? <laughs>
3: I got to tell you, Jake's story. We were uh, we were practicing at Cabrini last weekend and immediately following the practice, we were going to watch some film up in the classroom. And let's just say it was 1230 and it gets to be 1235 and there's no Jake. So I start getting ticked off and I said, where the hell's Ross? Well, it turns out he's out in the gym rebounding for a 12 year old kid. Oh, uh, that was hanging out in the gym and, and he didn't want to leave the kid. So oh. that, he, he does a lot of things. He's a great player. Uh, his consistency is, certainly one of his strengths he you know he's able to finish he's strong uh, makes threes the rebounding that he does is is probably the most significant thing I see and making him a unique player and and he's our point guard so he's our leading rebounder and then he brings the ball up it's it's very interesting and last but not least uh, teams have tried to do things to stop him thinking that if they can stop Jake they can stop Springfield and he's very very astute uh, he sees double teams coming and, and takes advantage of them and you know you can't teach a kid to pass you can teach him where the openings are, but mm-hmm. you can't you can't get him to do it unless they've got the guts and the ability to to have the vision mm-hmm. to make the pass and and that's something that's just inherent in Jake and the way he plays the game
0: oh that's cool, great story uh, as well though you're sure he didn't pay the kid to to so he could get some more rebounding in, and you wouldn't be mad at him.
3: Well I I uh no I'm going to take it as that he was doing something <laughs> uh, something nice for a young man young kid it was it was pretty funny actually it's classic
0: Oh no I I obviously realized that, that I just thought it would be funny if he pulled a fast one on you Um coach thanks it so much
3: wouldn't be the first time <laughs>
0: Hey, it's great, as always, to talk with you. I can't wait to see you in Salem. Uh, I hope it's with your team. That would be a really cool uh, side of it. But in the meantime, I look forward to seeing you nonetheless. As always, you know the tradition. We uh, give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to hear with those who may be tuning in? I,
3: I would like, if I could, and I'd love, you know, I love, you know how I feel about you and the, and what you do, and especially for the uh, Reese's NABC All-Star game, uh, I'm your best advocate when it comes to being on the board of directors of the NABC. You are. But there's such an unbelievable group of guys that put that game together. Dave, uh, Paige Moyers, the local guy on the ground, uh, past president. Jody May does all the uh, nomination and selection process. Jeff Gorski's now taken over travel for the All Star game. Dan Priest does all the publicity, runs the Internet vote. Pat Cunningham is on the ground and basically does everything. Mike McGrath does all the stuff that goes on over the weekend. It's uh, we, we just, we, that weekend I think is dressed up really nicely because of a group of guys that has a great passion for, uh, doing what we do. And we appreciate what you do for the all-star game. I think the all-star game appreciates what the NABC does for it too. So, uh, just wanted to do a little shout out for those guys as well as all you do for the
0: game. No, well said exactly. I agree with you about that group with the NABC. You, uh, they all work hard and I know you're part of that group as well and, It's always well done. I look forward to uh, being on the broadcast once again and uh, look forward to watching your games this weekend. Take care of yourself, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dave. Charlie Brock joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Again, that All-Star game takes place before the championship game. There is a ton of NABC guys behind the scenes who do that heavy lifting. Uh, We were hoping to get somebody last Sunday. I will try and actually get somebody this Sunday to talk about that game and, and Salem and all that. Uh, and, and the announcements to come. The the last two selections that we voted for this week aren't the only selections to talk about. There's more to come. We'll get somebody, maybe Jody May, on the show on Sunday. Going to take a break. When we come back, Eric uh, Bridgeland will join us from Whitman. We're well behind schedule, so we got to get going. Eric Bridgeland will talk about his team, the number 1 Blues. We haven't talked about them since the beginning of the season here on the show. Well, we have talked about them, but not the coach. We'll talk to him about them. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this.
1: I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school.
2: I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me.
3: I think there's more opportunities
4: for academic scholarships in Division three.
5: I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me.
6: My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center.
2: They have dreamed of this moment since childhood, the perfect shot, the key rebound, the game clinching basket, winning a national championship, the NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 16th and 17th in Salem, Virginia. Be there. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets today.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show on this Thursday. Charlie Brock off air wanted me to make sure you get something in. He forgot to mention. He said, Charlie, says that he's glad he's not the oldest guest that I could get on the show this year or this show, or, and maybe in general. He was glad to see that Glenn Robinson was on the show uh, tonight as well. He he was feeling young young and, and, uh, and appreciative of that fact. Charlie Brock, always a jokester, and we always appreciate him having time to come on the show. Going to keep things moving. We haven't talked to Whitman on the show since since the very first show of the season. Not talking about the preseason podcast, but the actual show that we hit the air with. Because we always talk to the preseason number ones, and then we try and mix and match and not come back to them for as long as we can. Well, we went really long here. I really kind of hedged my bets. Joining us on the city of Salem, Hoopsville Hotline, is the head coach of the number one Whitman Blues. It is Eric Bridgeland. And, sir, welcome back to the show. Even though my graphic says you're number two, I know you're number one.
12: Yeah, number one in your heart, I hope. Yeah, well, uh, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me, Dave. Appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Thanks. Yeah, well, you've been busy. You've been traveling, as always, uh, it seems uh, in this NCAA tournament. First and foremost, congratulations. I mean, there was a lot of pressure on you guys because there was a ginormous target on the backs of you guys. We, we, I talked to you in the, in the beginning of the season, we saw you in Vegas. You guys took a lot of, of, um, of big hits in the sense that, you know, Occidental went after you guys. You had some real good games in Vegas. Whitworth certainly went after you. You had some tougher games in the conference than you normally have. Are you surprised, honestly, that you're at this point and you only have one loss?
12: Uh, well, I don't know how to answer that. I, uh, like In terms of pressure, um, maybe, I don't know, I don't feel, and uh, our staff and uh, our guys I don't think feel any pressure at all. Um, you know, it, it it's uh, – it's an interesting thing because we're trying to have as much fun as we can,
1: mm-hmm.
12: and we're uh, and we're focusing on one game at a time, and then whatever you know. Sure. So uh, for us, it, it, and, it, and it's and uh, it's kind of similar to a year where You look up, and all of a sudden, you're you are what you are, and you're like, well, okay, that's kind of nice, you know. <laughs> um, but it's not. We're never looking at that. We're never talking about it. We're never. Uh, so it's it's um, hard to hard to really answer that, you know. Yeah, I Man, understand. For lack of a better. I just thought uh, –
0: go ahead. No,
12: uh, um, one of the the surprising things for uh, our staff was, okay, we lost two starters to injury, um, and, you know, how are we going to look and can we play the same way and um, all the things that uh, coaches would uh, go through in their heads. And and, um, what's been pleasantly uh, surprising and, and a confirmation of our culture in terms of developing guys, we've had younger guys step up. And guys that weren't uh, weren't in the rotation last year that are in rotation now um, and are doing an amazing job, you know. Um, and that's what should happen within a program. And you just never know if it's going to, you know. And uh, those um, two starters were uh, big losses. But our guys have done an amazing job. Uh, and it's and it's all them. Compliments to them on uh, their focus and, and uh, togetherness, able to um, take those kind of hits and yet still have a great season on paper,
0: you know. You have 10 guys who basically play in every single game, and it is those guys I remember in Vegas going, who the heck is Trevor Osborne? Who's Darnay Duckett? Uh, ben Beattie I knew of, but look at him playing now. And, and Jerron Kirkley, uh, Robert Colton, some of these guys, you're right, have, have gotten a chance to shine, as it were, or at least gain experience as a result of all of this. Um, my question about being one loss was I just kind of expected, I expected from everybody, I didn't expect anybody to go through the season undefeated, but I just kind of expected with with the way Whitworth was playing and the way teams were going after you, especially what I saw in Vegas, I just didn't think you guys could could do what you did last year, and you nearly did it again.
12: It's it's crazy. We could, you know, like we joked about it last year because we played so many games. Like um, maybe one of the most favorite stories is, is a Wooster and them having, you know, sixteen shots that was under thirty seconds ago to win the game and just <laughs> missed them all. You know,
1: right.
12: uh, and that's basketball sometimes. I mean, uh, we just played at a phenomenal Claremont team that, that, uh, hit so many big shots. And then, and then I missed a couple that I uh, could have sent that game the other way, you know? So, I mean, uh, those are, uh, uh, and then you look at it and go, whatever our record is in one, I mean, wow, you know, mm. uh, but um, I think the secret to it is to not focus on the outcome and, um, have a truckload of fun with a positive growth mindset, doing what you're doing and then whatever, you know?
0: You guys, this first game against Whitworth was pretty close for about three quarter, eh, uh, two-thirds of the game, and then you guys pulled away at home. Second game, not surprisingly, came right down to the end. Uh, Some big free throws by Howell um, uh, after being fouled on his last uh, shot attempt gets you that victory. And then you play him again in the conference championship game, and then they they finally upended you there, uh, ending a, a heck of a winning streak for you guys against them it certainly seemed like a really good matchup. And obviously that rivalry is something, but was the loss almost well-timed to some degree? And some teams talk to me about, Hey, you know, sometimes a loss is a good thing.
12: You know, we went into that game last year and, uh, and we had the same conference title game, you know? Yeah. And, and what uh, were the was, was it coming in? And we were thinking about, okay, we're going to see him in the first weekend of the tournament. Yep. The NCAA going to do what they do. Um, and, uh, and so we, at that point, we, we saved all of our adjustments for the first round of the tournament, and we never played them, you know. Um, and, and we were able to win that championship game at home last year. And then, like, this year, you know, it, it was like it could have gone either way. We had a, a four- or five-point lead late, and they hit, a, they hit a big shot, and we missed a free throw here. And, you know, so uh, it's uh, hats off to them in, in that game, you know. Um, but it was, like, in terms of timing, um, did it did it do us well last year to be undefeated the whole way to the final four? Um, oh, I don't sure. know, you know. Yeah. Um I know that our guys we had a great week of practice before uh Shriner and Claremont mm. um, and had our best weekend of basketball that we've had in two months. Um and and there's there's no question that we attribute that to kind of a, a reality check that we can be in a game versus anyone and we can lose to everybody, you know. Yeah, Um, And so we really tuned up some things and it was their focus and their effort in the drills and the practice that I think that got our teeth back a little bit because of the loss. And there's no way we treat them all the same. We learn and we flush it and we move on. But those losses sometimes when they don't happen very often um, ring a bell with the guys, you know, uh, in your culture, all of a sudden, uh, you know, they're a little bit better doing what they normally do than after a win.
0: Last year, you guys averaged 91 and a half points a game. This year, you're averaging 99 points a game, um, but it feels like to me sometimes it 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 isn't ne- well. It's never felt like a priority to you guys on putting up points. They come because of the defense you play and the opportunities you have in front of you. Um, is that a fair way of assessing what the mentality of the Blues is in a, in a game that you don't necessarily look to put up points? You're just going to take advantage of opportunities to do so
12: uh i think that's exactly right you know um i don't even know like a lot depends on our opponent you know how good are they against pressure what what style of game are they worst in you know like we feel like we can guard in the half court too so it's a matter of the teams we play do we do we want to open it up to where it's 110 to to whatever or do we want to play play more close to the best are we on the road are we at home we feel like we're very flexible within our um, structures that, that, that we can do that. So like you might see a road game in the Northwest conference where it's 81, 65 and not 115. You know, it just depends on the opponent. And we feel like we've got a group that's very flexible, um, to uh, play a certain way to give us the best chance to win. It's not about scoring the points, you know, or the, like the spreads, you know?
0: Yeah. As many games as you've had, like Colorado College, where you win 111-69, to you've had games like Occidental where you win 73-69, in the sense that you've had a lot of tight games. And and sometimes coaches, I I suspect your doctor would like to see you, because I suspect your blood pressure is through the roof, and maybe maybe some other things are going on. Um, I want to do an EKG to make sure everything's okay. But at the same time, sometimes teams get very resilient and understand that it doesn't matter, even with 39 minutes into the game and trailing, that they can find a way to come back. It's a double-edged sword, but has this team gained confidence that it they can not, you know, not necessarily be in control of the game and still be comfortable?
12: You know, I think uh, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is a Lombardi's quote. You know, um, a winning is a habit, and uh, you know, a so is losing. You know, mm. um, and, and so uh, like I think we've been in so many battles, like. Like, uh, you look at um, last year, and I'm playing Rochester, for instance, in the Elite A, you know, and even Wentworth at home, when we beat them in the title game, we were down 10 with five to go, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
12: Um, so it, it's, I don't think there's um, ever a, there's no pressure with us. There's no, uh, well, we got to come back. What are we going to do? Yeah. You know, it's, you know, like, uh, what are we in? You, you know, like, we have a chance to win this. We should be down 50, not 10. You know, <laughs> and we're we're laughing, having a good time with it. And so there's never... Um, like, there's no pressure or, like, no one's hitting the alarm bell, you know. Um, we're just trying to figure it out. And, and, um, and uh, that formula has worked pretty well. And we talk about it all the time. We hope we win for the guys, but it's about growing and getting better and playing our best basketball with this group
1: mm-hmm.
12: uh, and enjoying every second of it. Um, and if it happens to where, like, with the game at Claremont, they could easily have mm-hmm. uh, hit another shot and we don't come out of there. And yeah. we're at peace with that, though. You know we're at peace with that. There's no hey, you got to win. We right. don't talk about winning. So uh, there's a real strength to that.
0: People talk about Tim Howell and uh, his 18 and a half points a game. Um, I'm sure the doctor would like to see you as well for his free throw shooting late in games, uh, especially of late. <laughs> um, That's he, an outcome, Dave. He, he, oh, jeez, he's giving me a heart attack. Um, but there's guys like Joey Hewitt, Austin Butler, um, Jack Stewart. Even the J- Cedric, Jacob, Jones, Ben Beatties, and the others that we have mentioned that I feel have really evolved this year. And nothing against Howell, but for some reason, the way I've watched games, it feels like it's the Butlers, the Hewitts, and the Stewarts that have really been the the, the heart and soul of this team, and really been the ones that have driven this ship this year. Is that a fair way of, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Al at all. We all no. know his capabilities, no. but I really feel like it's everybody else who has risen and, and ele- elevated their games to the point that now you need to worry about 10 guys.
12: You know, I think uh, we're a team, hmm. you know, and, 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 uh, you know, a team's got, have a collective uh, confidence in each other. Uh, and when, um, and, and, uh, I don't know, like, they've all accepted their roles, obviously, but, um, you know, we weren't we weren't all Tim Howell last year either. I mean, like, Tim. Yeah, true. Tim's so selfish, people don't understand. I mean, uh, yeah, he averaged 18 a game this year and 21 minutes played, you know, do that math, <laughs> um, you know, but, but, like, we ask him to score sometimes, you know. It's mm-hmm. it's um, not necessarily what he wants to do. He wants to get people involved. That's his first thought is passing and setting guys up and celebrating their accomplishments. and, you know, so uh, maybe he gets a bad rap with that because his numbers are down, but, like, he would score 12, 13 if we let him,
1: yeah. you know,
12: uh, you know, so in our, in our culture, you know, playing hard and playing for your teammates is everything. And so like, you look at a guy like uh, Ben Beatty, who was off the radar for us last year. Yeah. And like this year, he's been so instrumental in so many games. Cedric the same way. Cedric had two of the biggest rebounds we've had all season in, in each of the games yeah. to, to uh, thwart runs. You know, and those, those plays are just as important as any three or any slashing, um, layup. And and everyone takes pride in their role, um, to help us, you know, um, come out on top, you know? That's what teams do.
0: Yeah. Before I let you go, i got to talk about the Deja Vu game here. Uh, you're playing Stevens Point. Uh, I think I called the last time. You guys were playing Stevens Point. Uh, on the call back on December 29th, you guys beat them 77-64. In a game that it looked like you were in control and they kind of came back on you on. At the same time, it very much feels like this is not the same Stevens Point team you saw in Vegas. Yes, same people, but different team to some degree. What What are your thoughts on the game for Friday?
12: Well, I, um, I, got a, um, I got a bunch of thoughts. My first thought is, you know, and, and I don't know how it is out here in the Midwest, you know, uh, like when you play a, a program um, with its history like Stevens point, uh, you know, like that's like a measuring stick, you know, like it is, is if you can uh, play with them and be on the same floor as them and, and, and uh, then uh, you have a chance that your program kind of means something. It's taking steps forward, you know, like our respect for them is, is uh, off the map, you know, um, and, and what Coach Semling's done with his group, like to uh, turn around and um, win the WIAC? I mean, WIAC, How do you want to pronounce it? With you know, uh, winning 15 out of 18 and come, I mean, are you kidding me? You know, uh, I mean, I. So we were a different team then, uh, and uh, they they certainly were. So like, I, I would imagine they're soaking up film and looking at things they could have done better, and uh, we're doing the same. But every game for us is its own. Little championship, you know. It's it's the mm-hmm. one game we got, and so uh, we'll do what everyone else does and um, soak up the film and look at where we could have done better. And and um, they will too, and we'll go out there and see what's what and have a ton of fun doing it. You know.
0: Yeah. No, it'll be fun to watch, to be sure. Wish I could be there, but uh, that's not in the cards. I'll enjoy watching it online. Uh, hey, uh, if I said at the beginning of the show if I could have had my druthers, <laughs> I would have flown out there, done a show tonight live. Probably gone to Platteville uh, to see the games uh, tonight or tomorrow, and then gone to Augustana on Saturday to see more games. But wasn't in the cards. Uh, unfortunately, I've got two kids who need to be watched. Uh, that's just how it works. And there's that. Yeah. Right. Uh, sir, thanks for taking the time. Appreciate it as always. Uh, there's a Lee Robbins, who's a coach in the Wisconsin area, says this guy, talking about you, says this guy can coach. Watching Puget Sound on tape back in 05, 06 was a treat. I appreciate you taking the time. You've come a long way. This program's come a long way. And here you are, right back in the Sweet 16. Good luck. We appreciate your time. As always, you give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in?
12: Uh, I'm going to sign a broken record. I love you. I love D3 Hoops. and uh, <laughs> yes. No, it, it's it, That's the truth. What you give our student-athletes and the attention makes them feel big time. And without D3 Hoops and you, it, it would not be the same. And wouldn't. Uh, so your uh, love and passion for what our student-athletes are doing uh, make it go for us. So thank you very much.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I have a gut feeling I might see you next week, no matter the outcome. But if I don't, I'll catch.
12: Take that back. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm, I'm, hey, I'm neutral here. I'm neutral. Uh, But I look forward to seeing you no no matter when I see you. Take care of yourself and good luck tomorrow night. We'll talk to you soon.
12: Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Absolutely. Eric Bridgeland joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time to do that. Uh, They are in Platteville playing Stevens Point tomorrow night. Two YAC schools there in Platteville. obviously. Oshkosh sitting. Uh, where is Oshkosh? They're down in Augustana, so not that far away. Three YAC schools. Pretty, by the way, hats off. I love it, by the way. I got a tweet earlier this week from somebody saying uh, from somebody who used to be in the YAC saying something along the lines of, um, hey, look at the YAC now. you got to stop being down on them. I've never been down on the YAC this season. I don't know where anybody else has come from that. I have said it's the best conference. Uh, top to bottom this year. I said it was going to be the best race to watch. I was surprised in Steven's point, but that made it even deeper this year. Uh, yes, I took teams out of my top 25, but they started racking up some losses. I, I had to do something. Um, but I've been very impressed with the WIAC this season. So anybody who thinks otherwise, um, feel free to contact me a little bit more directly. I'd be happy to have a conversation about it. All right, going to take another break. One more guest. We're way behind schedule. Got to get to him. Jim Scheibel from Rochester will join us to talk about his Yellow Jacket squad and what they're doing in the NCAA tournament. You'll listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More hoops will after this.
7: College Basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built.
5: For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that. A lot more.
6: Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team.
5: That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world.
9: Help us keep that dream alive.
5: You can make a difference.
7: This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play. Free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports.
1: We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships and we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin, nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're at d3hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com.
9: They have dreamed of this moment since childhood. The perfect shot. The key rebound. The game-clinching basket, winning a national championship. The NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 16th and 17th in Rochester, Minnesota. Be there. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets today.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we are rolling along near the end of this show, we got one more segment. We will not take a commercial after that, and then we will wrap up the show with final thoughts, especially of the Justin's Trophy uh, finalists and the vote that has been concluded. And we'll, we'll find out the winners, in, I think, early next week. If you've got any questions for us before we wrap up the show, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com. Slash Hoopsville. We're also on Instagram at D3 Hoopsle there as well, where we promote the show, though we don't tend to interact during the show. Um, so on the women's side, back to women's basketball, one of the other teams that has certainly been playing well, maybe flying a little bit under the radar, is the Rochester Yellow Jackets. Um, ranked 16th in the country. Uh, had a bit of a three-game slide in the middle of the UAA play. That maybe made a few people concerned, but they seem to have righted, not righted the ship, but certainly feel a little more comfortable. They're taking on a familiar foe this weekend, a rematch against cross-city rival Rochester Tech, RIT, though they're taking this one on the road and playing it at Amherst. Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsle Hotline is the head coach for the Rochester squad. It is Jim Shimel. And sir, welcome back to the show, and thanks for taking the time.
8: Thanks, Dave. Glad to be back.
0: I appreciate it. Um, again, it's a rematch. We'll get to that in a bit. But let's go back quickly to that three game slide. Granted, against some very good teams. Uh, Chicago beat you on the back end of, of, a, of a home stretch against WashU in Chicago. Then WashU tripped you up the next f- Friday, and Chicago returned the favor uh, the following Sunday. Admittedly, even I was like, oh, something seems off. Was something off, or was it just bad timing?
8: Um, you know, I think it was a combination of the schedule, just kind of catching up to us a little bit. Any, anyone in our league could tell you back-to-back weekends against Chicago and Wash yeah. you are definitely no picnic. No. Um, I thought we just ran into, I thought Chicago was just a better team than us this year, to be honest with you. Um, they, they gave us fits with their style. Um, I think they're really well coached and they just, they just beat us. Uh, WashU, we had a split that weekend, you know, they beat us pretty good at their place. Uh, so I'm, I'm not looking at it as, uh, you know, we just played badly that weekend. I I thought we played as well as we could, but we just ran into some teams playing really well at that point.
5: I
0: think the only thing that surprised me was the, was 52 points against WashU, 59 against Chicago. I think somebody close your program messaged me and goes, hey, we're just not good right now. And it, it wasn't a shot at the team. It was just, as you said, the schedule probably caught up and the team wasn't playing as well as as you normally had. But how do you write a ship like that? That's a three-game losing streak, and – Case Western Reserve's no joke. Carnegie Mellon's no joke. How do you get the team kind of refocused and and forget the immediate past?
8: Well, I think we have um, a pretty veteran team. I mean, we have six seniors, and they all are in the rotation at some point. So I think they've been through those wars in the UAA. They know that you're going to have you're going to take some hits here and there, mm-hmm. um, but they know not to overreact too. And I don't think we overreacted. Mm-hmm. We just knew we got beat uh, by some really good teams. I think coming. Out of that three-game slide, you're hoping that it doesn't dent your confidence too much. And I don't think it did. I think we went right back to work after losing to Chicago on that Sunday. Uh, I thought we had a great week of practice. And then we went into Case. and played really well. You know, we were fortunate enough to get a win there. And then got another one at Carnegie. So we kind of, you know, we got back on track. But I think it was mostly a case of the team not overreacting, knowing that we're still a pretty darn good team, and that we just had to get back to work.
0: So you got back to work. It clearly has worked since then. Uh, went on a heck of a winning streak that you're currently on right now at Game 7. Uh, opening weekend, you went through some, some tough teams here. I mean, Stevens, who was kind of a little bit of a darling coming out of the Empire 8, and then Marymount, who certainly has been playing well, had beat Christopher Newport twice this season. You got past them, both of those games at home. How important was it to be at the Palestra? Well,
8: we, we really enjoyed playing at home. I mean, yeah. We had nice crowds for both games. Um, You know, especially you know, you do a lot of travel in the UAA, and so yep. if you can stay home for an extra weekend in the NCAA's, it's certainly important. I mean, I think it was definitely to our benefit to be at home. I mean, Stevens. I mean, I thought they played pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought we that first game when you're at home, there's a lot of energy, and I thought we played exceptionally well, especially in the first half of that game. And then Marymount was just one of those grinded out games mm-hmm. where both teams really dug it defensively. I think they're one of the better top three or four defensive teams that we played all year and they made us work for everything. <laughs> um, but I, I do give our players credit too. I thought we defended exceptionally well that game. And luckily, you know, at the end, you know, we were just able to put up a couple more points from them.
0: Of course we should point out you haven't been on the road since uh, Carnegie Mellon and Case Western reserve weekend, which was the second weekend of February. So you've enjoyed mm-hmm. the, the, the home cooking as it were. You're on the road this week. You're in the middle of Massachusetts at Amherst, and you're taking on cross-city rival Rochester, who you played earlier this season back on January 2nd. You beat them by 10 at home. Um, obviously, that game probably means a little bit, but it also means nothing as we're so many months later and, and teams are very different. What are you guys expecting coming into this? What have you seen that you think uh, you can, I don't want to say take advantage of. That's a bad term. But what do you think you can do in this game to get past RIT.
8: You know, I will say, you know, we played them, oh, it's January 2nd, I think. So mm-hmm. it's quite a ways a while, a while ago now. I think, you know, watching them on film, they're playing really well. Um, I think they're playing better than they were when we played them the first time. They're more confident. They definitely know how to score. They know how to score the way they want to. Um, and they're really good. I mean, they. I think they've got an All-American point guard. I think they've got exceptional players around her. We're going to have to play really well. I think we're playing better as well right now. I think we're defending uh, at another level up. But that system that they run with such an exceptional point guard, she's going to pull help to her a lot. If we don't do a good job rotating and then boxing out, you know, they can make it a really long night for us.
0: Yeah, I, I can see that. RIT certainly playing well at this point. I know the behemoth on the, uh, on the other side is Amherst. Uh, and they've got a game to be played, too. Have you dared even look at the Saturday game yet? I know assistants are probably doing that, but or are you just focused on Friday?
8: Well, to be honest with you, I mean, we know RIT is really good. Yeah. So it's been – everything's been RIT right now. You know, you know, as a coaching staff, you got to do your work in the background, too. But from a focus standpoint, it's RIT. Because, yeah. you know, they're going to be energized. You know, we're only – four or five miles from each other. Yeah, uh, It's it's a rivalry game. I think it's a rivalry that's really developing right now. And, I mean, they've really come off, they've raised their program to a really high level. And we know it's going to be a battle tomorrow. So whichever team plays their style better, I think has a good chance of winning next
0: year. Um, Talking with uh, Jim Scheibel, head coach of the 16th-ranked Rochester Yellow Jackets. And, and quickly, I mentioned Jostin's before um this segment and we'll talk about jostens in just a little bit but um you have a jostens finalist uh on your squad uh one mm-hmm. of many very good talented basketball players from around country and interestingly enough one of two uaas in the final 10 for the jostens and alexandra leslie she leads the team at 15.2 points a game 7.4 rebounds two and a half assist um 50 blocks if anyone was counting at home that's nearly two blocks a game she shoots fifty three percent from the floor. By the way, don't let her take a three pointer. When she takes them, she's deadly. Um, also, eighty two, <laughs> five for six on the season. Also, eighty two percent from the free throw line. Is there anything she doesn't do well?
8: Well, uh, we haven't asked her to bring the ball up yet. So, <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> uh, other than that, you know, she can do that. To be honest with <laughs> you, she can handle it. But um, she's, you know, we we work around her. I mean, she's our number one player. Uh, what I've been impressed with is that. You know, she put up 22-10 and 10 a game next, or last year. Coming out of that, she's just been seeing double and triple teams mm-hmm. on a regular basis. And, you know, good players, you know, physically can handle it, but emotionally when you see that day in and day out. And, of course, we have to do that to her in practice, too, because there's only one way to simulate it. Right. Um, but I'm just so impressed with her composure. She sees the floor well. Her assists are way up. She finds the open shooters if she gets doubled and tripled. And the one, another thing that, you know, I'm really just flat out impressed with is her defense. I mean, Mm. she is a rim protector for us. We, we know that if a guard gets by or someone gets by into the paint that she's, there's a good chance that she's going to change that shot or block it. Um, So yeah, it starts with her for us and we work around her, but I'm, you know, we're really pleased that she's been on our in our program for four years, and I think uh, a Jostin's nomination is definitely, you know, deserving for her.
0: Yeah. Uh, looking through her resume, I was certainly impressed. And I'm the kind of guy who I know, pl- they. Well, I'll talk more about it, but I like it, the community service side of things, too, and, and I was really uh-huh. impressed with what she does. Uh, I sometimes ask, and you can give us the best insight here, how in the world do these student-athletes, who not only at a UAA school like Rochester have incredibly high academic demands, but obviously, athletic demands and for basketball in both semesters. But on top of that, give back so much of, of their time to the, their community. Is it something I, I assume you encourage it, and and I understand that. But is it also one that you rein in? Going, hey, 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 for your own benefit, you don't have to do all of this.
8: Well, I think it'd be doing an injustice to them to rein that in. Uh, Fair. Yeah, you know, we encourage we encourage it to be honest with you. Um, the one thing you know about the. The players and students that come to a place like Rochester, and there's a lot of schools out there, you know, that try to do the academics at a high level, and mm-hmm. we're definitely one of them. But it's this place is filled with high achievers. Um, they're used <laughs> to True. coming here, they want the highest level academics, they want to be challenged on the basketball court. I think they want to do stuff off the court as well, like the community service. So, I mean, i I sit on a couple of awards committees over the years here at Rochester. I see some of these resumes that come in front of me, I'm just like. Oh my gosh! I mean if I tried to do half of this stuff <laughs> i I'd be I'd be struggling right now so I mean i'm I feel truly lucky to be working at a school like Rochester which encourages them to be high achievers across the board
0: yeah it's certainly impressive by the way I'd love to know how you stole her out of Lancaster County Pennsylvania there's a lot <laughs> of good Division three basketball programs that would have loved to have her how do you steal her out of there?
8: We got lucky to be honest with you yeah. I mean she's um she didn't play a whole lot of AU coming up through the system. Um, she, ironically, we got a tip on her from a field hockey player who was an All American here at Rochester. Huh. She said, "You should take a look at the center for our team here. She's pretty darn <laughs> good." And sure enough, she did not mislead us. Um, so we got that's how we kind of originally got on her. I think then she came up and took a look and decided, "Hey, you know, as far as I mean, she wanted to be pre med at the time." So for her opportunity to to go into, you know, potentially a program that would lead to medical school, you know, it's got to be a good school. And, you know, she's not pre-med anymore, but she still, you know, does the academics at a high level. But we got lucky. I mean, all the pieces just kind of fell in place where she felt this was a good fit for her. Um, She liked the campus. She liked the program. And, you know, we got a a once-in-a-generation player.
0: Yeah. Uh, you certainly did, sir. Uh, very impressed. Uh, before I let you go, remind reminded anybody at home, uh, you're on the women's national committee. Um, being the fact that you were in the tournament, you didn't have much to do with the bracketing, and the fact that you were not large probably took you out of some of the conversations as well. But uh, any thoughts on the work you guys put forth, and and anything that you you would take to the table about trying to tweak or change in the future?
8: Well, I think the first thing you have to recognize is, I mean, I feel really um, really lucky to be on a committee like this. Uh, there are some really hardworking people on mm-hmm. that committee who take yeah. this responsibility very seriously. I would say every one of them. And there's there's going to be some disagreements as far as, you know, how the bracket works out. I think it's a tough sell. We're not division one, we're division three. We right. have some constraints that they don't. Yep. Um, so geography might come into play. That 500 mile limit might come into play. But overall, I will tell you this, that there's, eight members on the national committee, including, and then there's our NCAA liaison, and she's got help too. We're trying to get the best field set, and we're trying to get the best bracket. And there's always going to be some people who say, you know, you could have done this, you could have done that. We get that. But overall, I'm just proud to say that I'm on a committee that takes its job really seriously and is trying to do its absolute best.
0: Well, that's the truth. I, I certainly can uh, applaud all those who do the work. Um, certainly. And, and we're all human. <laughs> I'm sure there could yeah. be a hundred different variations of everything you guys do if you had enough time to do it. Um, yep. You're never going to find a consensus perfect way of doing it. I was just always love chatting with you, uh, you on the committee and you in general and, and get your insights and I appreciate you taking the time. Um, well, thank you, Dave. Absolutely. As always, we give um, uh, the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in?
8: Yeah, I think... Um you know, one thing that's kind of dawning on me here is, you know, the season starts to wind down here is we have six seniors and I just want to congratulate all the seniors out there who, you know, I'm sure have had the time of their lives playing college basketball. And I promise you, you're going to have memories that last a lifetime and enjoy it while you have it, but feel really appreciative that, you all, I think just about everyone's had these great teammates and these are memories that you definitely will cherish.
0: Yeah, well said. Uh, Well said indeed. Thanks for the time, coach. Uh, Good luck this weekend, to be sure. And we'll look forward to talking to you sometime down the road. Thank you, Dave. Absolutely. Jim Scheibel joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time. Um, By the way, I always love looking through a UAA uh, roster to see where they get teams and one that jumps out of, or players, I should say, one that jumps out of me for Rochester, Uh, Jillian Mayer. Uh, the freshman from Lake Oswego, Oregon. If you don't know where that is, it's right outside Portland. Beautiful area, by the way. Lake Oswego, Oregon, named after Oswego, New York, believe it or not. Um, that is a, a direct connection. She's a chemi- chemical engineering major. There's so much I'm not even on par there with. It's not even funny. Uh, but congratulations to Rochester. Again, big game against RIT coming up. Should they win, and I emphasize those words there, should they win, And because you just don't know. Uh, they are in Amherst. They'll take on either the winner of Amherst or Montclair. Can you believe Amherst and Montclair have never played each other? Apparently, on the note I got, they've never played each other. And, of course, this goes back to that other ha that I've had fun with. Remember that Karen um, Harvey at Montclair and G.P. Gromacki at Amherst are connected to each other because of Drew. Um, if I've got it straight and I deleted the email, it's got it, but I believe it's straight. Drew lost its head coach. GP went, it was hired by Drew for about a hot minute. Um, did not coach in a game. It was in the off season and then Amherst job opened up and he took the Amherst job in the same off season. Karen was then hired or was then at Drew for a season, I believe, replacing GP before then moving on to Montclair. Look at the success of those two programs. And you got, and, and Drew's just sitting there going, hey, w- we hired both of them. We look pretty smart, right? It's <laughs> crazy. All right, so Jostens. Um, I, I'm honored to be on the Jostens, um panel for, for picking the winner, essentially. And, and what we do is we get a ballot. So we get 10 finalists from both the men's and women's side, and we get their nominations, um, their sheets. This is just the women's one. Here's the men's one. Um, and it's full of letters of recommendation, stats, information about what they do in the community, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I go through it with a highlighter uh, to pick out the notes that that jump out at me. Um, and remember, the Jostons is about the best player on the floor, the best student in the classroom, and about someone who also gives back in the community. I think it's very important. I know a lot of people give it to the player. We had a the Nebraska Wesleyan player a couple years ago won it. Despite the fact, <clears throat> excuse me, his stats were maybe one quarter against Division three schools. That's desi- the that's des- bes- b- besides the fact. My point being is, I lean a little bit away from the game. The game is is meaningful to me, and their stats of what they who they are as players is meaningful to me. Um, all of them are good. None of these people who were who were voting on are bad players in any way, shape, or form. So I tend to lean a little bit towards. Okay, what are they like in the classroom? most if not all are better than i ever was in the classroom and so i take note of that and then what do they do in the community and i really i find that important and so i sometimes vote a little bit differently but i just what i'm trying to get at is the men's group this year was phenomenal uh, i think we went through a couple of years there where we had some good candidates but not all 10 the men's nate axelrod from iowa wesley marcus Echeverria from nichols brandon federici from franklin and marshall ashton France, francis from wheaton Kevin Grove from Carleton, Jay Howard from Catholic, Patrick McDonald from Maritime uh, New York, that is, Wes McKinney from Hanover, Dalton Myers from York, and Indy Orr from Lebanon Valley. They're all terrific players. They're all terrific, for the most part, uh, students, and they're all amazing at giving back to the community. I was actually blown away reading what some of these student athletes have been up to or what they're doing in their communities. On the women's side, um, you have... uh, Forgive me. You have uh, Sam Chandler at Avett, uh, Michaela Eppert at Elmerst, uh, Alexander Leslie as we mentioned at Rochester, Camille McPherson at Moravian, Abby Tom- Owings at Thomas More, uh, Raquel Pender- Penderzani at Johnson and Wales of Rhode Island, Caitlin Reed of New- NYU, Allie Renfret at, at Pitt Bradford, Katie uh, Summer at Wartburg, and and Jess uh, Vol. I'm going to say her last name wrong. I Vol Volmelker from Teal. Incredible uh, individuals. Um, listen, there's a lot to be said about the younger generation, or at least I should say, a lot of what other people say about the younger generation and the millennials and whatnot. Uh, one thing I'm always proud of in Division Three is that I think we get tremendous student athletes and tremendous people. And and these Johnston's um, finalists on both the men's and women's side, I think, are a a true testament. Really good crop of student-athletes. And by the way, that also means there's some really good programs and SIDs and coaches out there and even athletic directors who have taken the time to nominate these individuals. I think in maybe the last couple of years, those nominations had kind of fallen off a little bit because um, uh, I, I could think of a couple that were tremendous. But the nominations are tremendous. And what they do in their community is is bang up. Uh, hats off. I just wanted to say that since I went through the last few days reading through all these bios and letters and and, and all that and to make up my my uh, ballot and by the way we vote on all 10 we just put them in an order of one through 10 and there's something like 20 or 30 people on this on this panel um who vote and and i'll just say i could have put my order on both the men's and women's in a lot of different ways uh and argued my way into different ones uh, uh, even on the men's i don't think there was a slam dunk number one that's not that's not a knock on anybody i think all everybody there was a lot who deserved to be number one Um, I'll be interested to see who the winners are, and we'll look forward to talking to them when we're in Salem and then featuring them as part of our pregame shows in Salem as well. Uh, Last chance to get any questions in. Uh, I know there was one from Sean. He says, forgot about the Thursday show. How do you forget about this Thursday show, Sean? We always have a Thursday show. Well, except for next week. Um, Join late. I'm sorry if this is a repeat question. Give us your final four and why. Feel free to go beyond that. Well, I'm going to disappoint some people. not giving you my final four um the basic reason i'm not giving you my final four is because i broadcast the games especially on the men's side and, and i don't want anybody to think i have favorites to be blunt so let's say i pick two of the four correctly i don't want people to think that those are my two that i think are favorites um it's not true that's not how i call sports i am very neutral uh, even when my even if my own team was involved i'd be pretty darn neutral uh, it's just the way I was trained, and, and the way my experiences have been that I don't have a, a rooting party in anything. But I don't want anybody else to think, oh, you picked so and so, and they and they made it, so you must be riding them, or you and picked the other team, and they didn't make it, and so you must be bumming or not liking that other. And I don't want people thinking that. I will say I'll go through the games and and kind of give you a sense, kind of like I did on Sunday. I think the Mawa New Jersey bracket is fascinating. Ramapo and FNM are are two different peas uh, from different pods, as I said. I think. I think that's a tremendous game to watch. Middlebury-MIT is a game that should take place more often, to be honest. The fact that this is the first time since the 06-07 season that those two teams are playing each other is mind-boggling to me. Two very well-coached teams. Uh, Middlebury, I'm not totally sold on. I I don't know what to expect of the Panthers. I wrote them high a couple times this year, only to see them hit some real tough spots. Um, MIT, in the meantime, be on the lookout to see if 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 Jomard is backed and and playing. If he's back and playing, even at 75%, it changes the equation. You know How does Middlebury scout for this game? Do they scout for the MIT team from earlier in the year? Do they scout for this new team? Or do they scout for a third version, which is this new team now with Jomar back? I think Middlebury's got a tough task there, depending on what MIT puts on the floor. Uh, Oshkosh and Emery, um, two behemoths who don't know each other very well. Um, Emory, well-coached, maybe a little undersung, including by myself. Oshkosh proving that... Their tough run through the WIAC was was maybe uh, more um, of something they learned from than anything else, that, that maybe it made them better. Uh, I wasn't that impressed with Oshkosh halfway through the season, and I thought they were going to be a darn good team. At one point, I had them in my top five. Um, so I thought Oshkosh has been good this year, but then they went through the WIAC and they lost games I didn't think they should have been losing. As tough as the WIAC is, at some point, you need to be on top of your conference and beat the teams you should beat. And I didn't think Oshkosh was getting that done. Augustana versus John Carroll is just an outstanding X's and O's game, to be blunt. Uh, you've got a longtime coach in Gray Giovanni taking on a first-time coach in Pete Moran, though Pete Moran's got a ton of experience, especially following his father uh, at John Carroll. John Carroll's going to go at him defensively. So is Augustana to some degree. Augustana's also got some weapons uh, that you cannot overlook. And I'm waiting for Christian Orange to kind of make that big run or big appearance like he did last year. He's, he's leading the team in scoring, but I'm waiting for that big moment. Um, And that's all at Rock Island. Those games should be fascinating. On the other side, Whitman versus Stevens Point rematch of the D3Hoops.com classic game, which I think is cool just on the fact that it's a rematch of the D3Hoops.com classic game, darn it all, Uh, especially late in the tournament um, or midway. Um, Whitman, they're unfazed. You heard it from Eric Bridgeland. They're unfazed. They lose, they lose. It's not going to make or break their lives. Uh, And I think that is a dangerous team. That makes for a dangerous team. You're not going to phase them, in other words. Um, If they're going to lose, they're going to lose. But they're going to try their best, and they're going to win a game. They're going to fight to the very end. That's a dangerous team. the other side of that, Stephen's point. You know, uh, I don't know what to make of it. It clearly looks like it's a different team from Vegas, but how? Are they different? You know, specifically, how are they different? I think that's hard to put your finger on. They aren't a team that blows you away. They don't have any names that jump out at you in any way, shape, or form. Even their championship team that was all about defense and barely any offense and had nobody above 6'4", at least had some t- names on their team. They're all they're doing this without Boblets this season, which is in, is insane. Um, that's going to be a great X's and O's game as well, and a lot, a lot of, of crazy defense, to be honest with you. Uh, very two, two very different teams. Nebraska Wesleyan and Platteville, two teams that have a lot of question marks about them because where where did they come from? There's a lot of people who said, hey, I thought Nebraska Wesleyan would be good this year. I agree. I did too, but their out-of-conference schedule told me nothing. Um, and then their IAC schedule just confused me. Um, Platteville was dead last in the Wyack last year, won one game in the darn Wyack and won the regular season. Um, that's a great game of two teams who can... Reemerge two historic men's basketball teams that can reemerge in the national conversation. Nebraska Wesleyan, who was a national runner-up, Platteville, who's won many national titles, but it's been a long time since they've been in the spotlight. Tremendous opportunity for both those two teams. And being at Platteville, you certainly got to like Platteville's chances. Swarthmore versus Plattsburgh. Swarthmore's been playing lights out. They beat Wesley in ninety-seven seventy-five, and they beat uh, New England College, not surprisingly, ninety to sixty-three. Um. Is Swarthmore really playing that well right now? Uh, they've gone through some phases this year. Taking on Plattsburgh. Plattsburgh's probably a darn good team. They're on something like a 20-game winning streak. Uh, very good. Um, uh, Patron has certainly been the key for them. Those early season losses costing them this hosting opportunity, FYI. Um, we'll see what, hap- what 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 that game is made of. I think that's, that's kind of rem- reminiscent to me of um, uh, MIT versus Brockport. Uh, in some degree, and it may not be perfect example there, but that's kind of where I'm thinking. And then Hamilton versus Springfield, two very similar teams in some ways. You heard Coach Charlie Brock talk about it. Hamilton, though, big, disciplined, um, very smart basketball team in the sense of how they run things against Springfield, who's just, to some degree, I think Springfield's gritty um that's gonna be a great game as well um and coming out of the weekend really it's a who's who pick a team Uh, you got as good a chance of getting that one right as anybody else uh sean follows up says um you if you could see any matchup in d3 what would it be Uh, i said at the beginning of the game of the show i wish if i'd had my druthers i would have flown out today uh done hoopsville on the road gone to platteville uh tomorrow to see the games at platteville and then to augustana to see the games in augustana on saturday night the only main reason to that in which order I would have gone in, well, one, I would have loved to see Whitman-Stevens Point again, um, and I want to see nebraska Wesleyan. But more importantly, it's easier for me to get to Augustana to the airport to be- get back home on Sunday than it would be from Platteville. But that is what I would have loved to have done this weekend on the men's side. On the women's side, uh, I would have loved, loved to have gone to Hope. I would have loved, loved to have gone uh, maybe to Amherst. Um, certainly would have loved to have gone to Wartburg um, and great. actually, I would have loved to have gone to all four sites on both sides, but um, the, the men's side, I would have loved to have double-dipped. And technically, if I could have been able to pull it off, I could have double-dipped this week on the East Coast, too, go up to Ramapo for the first set, down to Swarthmore, or vice versa. Uh, it's not going to work. I'm not going to be able to get the games on Friday. On the women's side, real quick, again, Amherst and Montclair playing for the first time ever, apparently uh, two tremendous coaches, and Montclair maybe better than I expected, and Amherst struggling against St. Joe's in the last game. I expect that one to be a doozy. Rochester, Rochester Tech is going to be a great, uh, as Coach Schreibold said, rivalry game. Hope versus Christopher Newport I think it's going to be a behemoth of a game. Um, Christopher Newport seems to be playing really well, and Hope just doesn't seem, doesn't seem to have any quit in them. Thomas Moore versus Gustavus Adolphus. Gusties are now kind of playing above themselves a little bit, above expectations, above where they've been in the past. We'll see how they do against Thomas Moore uh, to some degree uh scranton versus bowden Uh, i i'm fascinated by this one i I, i'm not sure who comes out of it necessarily uh, but i'm fascinated because it's two teams who are playing very good and have played very good all year but been have been outshadowed by other programs messiah versus Tufts. messiah has flown under the radar for a lot of people except those in the mid-atlantic i've certainly known about messiah Uh, but Tufts, you know with four losses you know okay They're, they're still treated like they've only a one or two loss team Wartburg versus Trine. We talked about that earlier with Bob Amsbury. I'm really looking forward to that game, too, because I think Trine might be, might be able to take something to Wartburg. But at the same time, Wartburg's undefeated for a reason, and they absolutely blitzkrieg through their conference where normally they at least lose one or two. And then St. Thomas East Texas Baptist is a game that's just of what? It's it's two unknowns, and I think it's going to be fascinating. And he said, "Meant any game, Greenville versus Grinnell, any combo. Oh, jeez. um, Jeez, Sean, that's... I don't know, to be blunt. There's 100 matchups I'd love to see. Yeah, maybe Greenville-Grinnell. I'm not a fan of the system in the sense of wanting to sit there, but if there was one system game to go to, I think that would be it. Um, I'd love to go see Chicago-Washu when both teams are clicking along. I got a chance to see Washu versus NYU uh, a couple of years ago. That was a lot of fun. Um, I'd love to go see a, a top-end CCIW game or a top-end WIAC game if I can. Um there's a lot of matchups I'd love to see, uh, a lot of dream matchups to be honest with you. And and be honest, at the D3Hoops.com Classic, I get that opportunity more often than not. Uh, I think that's going to wrap us up. A reminder: we'll be back on the air Sunday night, uh, seven o'clock Eastern Time, with a wrap up of the Sectionals and a look ahead to Rochester and Salem. A reminder: next Thursday, not on the air. Though if you're a coach in the NABC and you're in Salem, we will be hosting our annual uh, um, reception at Corn Beef. We hope you'll join us. Um, and then we'll be on the air Friday and Saturday from Salem with the pregame and postgame shows. Plus, I'll be on the call for NCA.com as the analyst. Should be great in Salem. Looking forward to it to be sure. Um, I also think it's going to be great in Rochester this year as well. Um, i trying to think there was. Uh, so, Sunday night again, 7 o'clock Eastern time, we'll recap the sectionals. I may or may not be on the road this weekend. Um, I'm definitely not making games on Friday, unfortunately um there's a chance i may head out saturday either to swathmore which is the easy trip or head all the way up to ramapo for the longer trip but it's going to be dealer's choice how i feel that day i also might just take the weekend off and 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 watch the games at home that said i've never done that uh, i haven't done that in a number of years on this weekend um it's a little bit weird but it just it just may be because that's how the cards laid out That's going to do it. I got to get off the air. Got to go relieve a babysitter who's watching the kids. You've been watching Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Once again, thanks to all our guests, including Bob Emsbury at Wartburg, Brian Morehouse. Please go back and listen to all these interviews, but especially the Brian Morehouse one at Hope. Um, Glenn Robinson at Franklin and Marshall, Charlie Brock at Springfield, Eric Bridgeland at Whitman, and Jim Scheibel at Rochester. And thanks to all their sports information directors as well for their help. Uh, getting the programs on the air, uh, and we appreciate the time that they took to do that. Well, again, be on the air at 7 o'clock on Sunday. If you want to follow us on Twitter, at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville, we're on Instagram at D3 Hoopsville as well. Go to Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can join us there as well. And, of course, you can uh, follow us on YouTube, and, of course, D3Hoopsville.com is our website. You can always email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com as well that's going to do it though i i just realized i hadn't been checking our our uh, some messages i want to double check it and miss some somewhere else um thanks to the uh, d3hoops.com for their help along with the wbca women's basketball coaches association and the center court segment this year and their whole uh, this week and all year long have been tremendous we look forward to partnering with the wbca in the future again of course the national association of basketball coaches as well we'll have an nabc segment coming up on sunday we probably with jody may talking about the upcoming all-star game He doesn't know that yet. We'll reach out and ask. Um, And, of course, our partners at the City of Salem as well. Appreciate them taking the time. I'm now seeing messages that I may have missed. Do we have official game times in Salem? Um, Yep, 5 and 7.30 on Friday night. And I believe that means the championship's at 6 the next day, maybe. I'm not positive. That's the Salem stuff. Uh, And that's going to do it. Uh appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you for taking the time. You've been watching Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. This is a copyrighted broadcast, uh, all rights reserved by myself at Hoopsville and DMAC Productions. If you want any rights to use it, just contact me. I'm probably going to let you do it, but it'd be nice if you at least ask permission. Thank you very much for tuning in, everybody. See you back here Sunday night, 7 o'clock Eastern, as we wrap up the sectionals and look at who are the final eight teams in the NCAA tournament brackets. Good night, everybody.